Plot Twist! Welcome to the Mike's Movie Podcast, everybody. So, we were... We were... Going to do Dread. But... Since... Our good friend and colleague, Zach, is... Nearing the brink of death... Um... We, uh... And he's working the phone by his secret, mysterious job... Yes, a secret yes. mysterious job that nobody ever talks about. Uh, <coughs> the government. <coughs> um, yes, I work for the government. Watch out, you Reptilians. Reptilians. <coughs> yeah, we actually can't say the name because that would break a lot of legal laws, but... So, me and Alex got together and said, hey, let's just put Dread in the back burner and... For Zach's sake, since we came off two horrendous movies on two separate scales, we decided to override the wheel, and we're doing Treasure Planet. Yay. It's something you guys have been waiting for quite some time. Indeed we have. Oh my god in heaven, I love this movie! But before that... Let's get right into the news. Well, 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 I was before, gonna say before we're, we're, we get to the before we get to the news, we gotta talk about one particular movie uh, that actually, three of us saw on Friday. Okay, on so I was gonna say here's what we should do: we should do the news because there's been a lot. And we should bust through it. Then we should talk about Joker, and then let Chris and I tell you about the Surfer. Okay. Yes, because I, I just want to make sure we talk about all three of those subjects. I don't I don't really care what the order is. I just want to make sure that we have a chance to tell you about what we saw. Okay. It was yeah. Oh man. So so to, to really quickly start with the the thing I'm thinking about right now, we can talk about our stuff real quick here. But uh, uh, a certain certain pre prepubescent boy saved a certain deal that went. Awry for a while. He was in, and then he was out, and now he's back in. You know, what? for like all I, of two days. <laughs> so you're saying you're saying I saw the headline too. Tom Holland stepped in and made some kind of argument. What's the story? Because I never looked at it. So the story supposedly is we don't know the exact details of, of what exactly was said and whatnot, but we know that that. What Tom Holland did was he called Bob Iger, apparently, and he sat down and requested a meeting with him about the deal. He's And he basically, from what we've been told, he claims he, you know, poured his heart out about the role and about how he feels it's so important for both companies to stay on the train, basically, and that it's profitable for both companies and it's good for the fans. Um, and that's what brought... Disney back to the draw to the to the negotiation table, and I guess supposedly Tom Holland did a very similar thing with Sony, Sony America, and basically saying, "Look, we understand that you want to keep this, but you guys got to do this for the sake of the fans." And what the result apparently is is that we're getting one more Spider-Man movie. That they're going to agree to one more, and then they're going to go their separate ways. Sony will do their own thing. Uh, Tom Holland 
supposedly is contracted by Sony to appear in their Spider-Verse or their Venomverse films and vice versa. And part of that deal also included Tom Hardy showing up in the MCU. And that was kind of the agreement they made is that Spider-Man gets to be in Venomverse, Venomverse gets to be part of MCU, and they all get to do this last movie one time and then they go their separate ways. Now, am, am I mistaken, but did he also get a Avengers slot as well? He did not, from what we understand. Okay. Uh, again, we, we, we don't know the exact details of what's going on, how many films this is for, who it's for. We know the exact, de- the exact details we know is that it's contracted to finish the third Spider-Man far, uh, Homecoming film. And it's including Tom Hardy showing up in the MCU as Venom. That's it. That's all we know. And that Sony can use Spider-Man as they want, and Marvel can use Venom as they want. But they have to both use them. And then when this is done, when when all that's in the fine writings complete, they're going to go their separate ways. Tom Allen will be at Sony, and that will be that. What about Tom Hardy, though? He's technically owned by Sony. Sorry. He's just it's a it's a one movie deal. So he so it's a basic guarantee that Tom Hardy will be in Spider Man three. Either he'll be in Spider Man three or he'll show up in some other some other MCU film or something. We're not sure if Venom will show up, but we know that Tom Hardy's character Eddie Brock will show up in some form. Obviously, I can't really see the character show one of the characters show up and not the other. So, but what we know is that this includes a Venom movie. We know that uh, Tom Holland gets to make some Morpheus stuff and maybe a Venom sequel. And Sony's walking away with basically the original agreement at the end of the day. Except they kind of get to walk ahead on this because they get Venom in the MCU. So it sounds like Tom Holland just walked in with the sense of most sensible argument and acted his butt off. Yeah. He basically said, look, you both have mutual, like, you have mutual stake in this. Don't be a douche to the fans, but figure out a way to make this work. And that's that. And they both came to the drawing board and they figured out a way to make it work. You know what it sounds like a lot more? It sounds like it's a sitcom, like, um... Friends or something, yes. where they have you have ex like uh, there's been a divorce and one of the main cast members has to like get his parents to be okay and not fight at their wedding, and that's what Tom like that's what Tom Holland did. He sat them down. He's like, look, I have one more film. Don't ruin this for us. Don't ruin it for the fans. Like, just come in with a smile, and when you're done, you can walk away and just live your lives. Like, give me one, just just one. All I need is one, guys. Stop fighting. Yeah, um, and I can under and uh, supposedly ac- across this Marvel film, Disney does get to take a fifty percent cut on the box office. Uh, they don't, so they, they kind of everyone kind of walked out ahead on this one, um, and I don't know. I I think the whole argument in the first place was kind of stupid. I think Disney for walking away so quickly and not thinking about the fans was kind of stupid. Um, I think it should have never had to come to Tom Holland having to step in to do this. Um, 
Tom Holland also owes Disney his career functionally, so... I mean, anyone who's cast in a Marvel movie is immediately... They immediately benefit from the Marvel name, for sure. But, like, from what I understand, the casting agent of most Marvel films is a pretty amazing eye at finding good talent. So, it seems like she's probably the reason why a lot of these roles are cast pretty well. I forgot her name, but I hear she's just amazing at the job. And the other thing is... uh, This is a good, regardless of who made the decision to pull out of the deal for whatever the reason was, money or just who felt they they were getting screwed in the deal, um, it's a prime example of how Disney needs to continue to be careful with the relationships that it creates with other companies and other artists as it continues to control, not just grow, but control a lot of the media that we consume. So it's not even just that they're going to keep growing because they're going to keep going. Sure, but it's, as they keep growing, what, what do they do with the products they have? How are they handling it? How is this giant Akira-like monster handling it, you know, form? And I'm, it's just interesting to me that it was a lot of business people that came in and, and made all these decisions and money people that were, like, trying to figure things out. And maybe some people were trying to get screwed and some people were trying not to get screwed and, at the end of the day, it had it took like a sensible non-business person to walk up and and just be charismatic. It, it reminds me of like um, Team America: World Police, where actors thought they could like use their ability to act and their charisma and their star power to like change the world. And at the end of the day, why would you ask a celebrity, an actor, about like? a world thing or politics or, or religion or anything. Sometimes, like, they're just actors. Like, we put too much... We put them on pedestals sometimes. Yeah. And I, I do think it's kind of funny that at the end of the day, he came in and just sort of, like, was making a sensible argument in an earnest way, the same way that Gregory Peck did in To Kill a Mockingbird. And that that's sort of the thing. Just a charismatic person making a, 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 a convincing argument is really... <laughs> all it took for them to just sort of like get their heads straight, realize that they screwed things probably beyond a relationship, so let's end on good terms. And it, it took a kid in their minds to do it. Like, I know he's an adult, but like, it, it took a really young kid. I, I keep saying this, but he's like more successful than me. He does way more, but like, this like young man like came in and just, you know, knocked some sense into these adults. That's, Kind of funny to me. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, what do you um, what what do you here, think I'm about here. Kevin Feige getting his own Star Wars? Ah! Uh, I didn't actually know this. In all honesty, yeah, Kevin Feige's getting his own Star Wars movie. Yeah. Um. Is he producing it, or producing. is he getting? He is producing. Is he getting a, like a trilogy, or is he just getting a one-off? As far film? as we know, just one. Mm. I don't really know much about Kevin Feige's like one-off roles. I think Kevin Feige is kind of a big picture man. Um, he's he's very much about looking at the big picture and really planning something out over as an overall thing. Um, 
he um i i haven't really ever seen him do kind of solo producer stuff um and i would imagine and i'm looking at his imdb right now and obviously he 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 came in through marvel studios that's how he really came through when marvel was just a offshoot of whatever they were and prior to marvel studios he you know he, he was an associate producer on x-men spider-man he was co-producer on daredevil x2 uh he did a bunch i mean he's known this stuff for years and years um and th- what this man knows is comic books and that's great um but i don't i don't know how i feel about him doing um one-off star wars like not that I don't think he wouldn't do a good job. Let me be clear here. I just... I don't know. I think... I would have liked him... Maybe later down the line... To have done, like... A solo producing thing that wasn't superhero related. And that would be a guesstimation of where I could go. But... He's he's a big picture guy now. He... Obviously, he's an executive now. But he... He's good at looking at a big picture and setting up stuff up. For future stuff, and I think if they had given him a trilogy, I would have been more inclined to like where this is going, because then I know that he's going to plan something from beginning, middle to end, and he's going to always have that plan. And he's going to he's going to see it through. But as a one-off thing, I don't know. I just don't know. Um, I am excited to be honest. I when I think of how much I talk about directors and uh, and how little I talk about the collaboration of film, a lot of it just has to do with the more you know about a movie, the more you understand who had the most control and vision over the product at the end of the day. Um, to me, when I think of like a producer-driven movie, I have seen those examples before where it really is just like everything down to what the director does is just, at the end of the day, he has to turn over his shoulder and look at the producer and say, is this okay? And that's something like Gone with the Wind. Like, Gone with the Wind was a producer who was like, I'm going to make this. I'm going to win an Oscar. I'm going to make the best movie ever. I'm, I'm, he went through, like, three directors because it was his vision. It was his idea. Same thing with The Wizard of Oz. Like, you can do that. It, they, when they have the money and the power to do it, they can do it when it's studio-driven. And if Disney is anything, it's basically bringing back studio-driven ideas. Marvel is, they are producer-driven movies. And Star Wars is complicated because they were a singular vision and now they're a producer vision. And they're, the, they're clashing as they try to marry that. And I think one day they'll get it, but I don't, I don't think that the start is going to be uh, pretty. It's going to be a little bit muddled and muggy and they're going to find their way. As they yeah, can. I... I think bring the guy who literally brought 22 films together and figured out how to do a long-term plan is the way to do that, but I just don't know right now. I It's too hard for me to figure out what could happen. I know he's a great producer. I know he he's always been very good on that, but I, I just don't know. I don't know. At least to me, it sounds like the, the biggest problem I'm hearing from you is that you would be cool with him having three movies to take the time to make a big idea work. Whereas you don't see him able to do that in one film. And to be honest, I don't see how, I don't see the difference. If he like, I, I don't know. 
I just I don't think that just because we don't have an example of it doesn't mean he can't do it. I think if anything, he didn't start Marvel that way. He's just succeeded one film at a time, and the first one he really succeeded at was Avengers. And it, when you look at Avengers now versus like Infinity War and Endgame, it's crazy. But like, I I think he has the ability to do that. Like, it took four films for him to say, okay, we have a history. We have a past, and let's just make a fun movie. And I'm going to find the right guy, and it's going to be what I want, and I'm going to drive it. And I think he can do that with Star Wars. He knows Star Wars. He has history to work with, and he can find the right people and go, okay, I know what a Star Wars movie should be, and I have an idea. And he's somehow worked that idea to Star Wars already. They wouldn't have hired him unless they liked his idea. So, no, obviously that's true. I, I don't know. I... Again, a lot of it has to come down to the right director. Obviously, it's going to be a very very producer-driven film, but it's going to come down to the right director with the right vision that aligns with what Feige wants, and I think the correct talent behind it also will help, too. It's just it's hard for me to visualize it right now, what I could imagine it to be, because I don't know. I All I've known Feige ever to do is Marvel, so it, it's hard for me to get a, get a view of this guy's look, of this guy's vision, and what kind of ideas he wants to do i think that's i think that's fair but i also think that just because i think a really good example of what i hope is going to happen and not saying will because i don't know that um francis ford coppola is the first director and i think maybe the only director to ever have two films in the same year in the best picture rates as well as have one of them win and the film that won was godfather 2 a film that is arguably better than the first and certainly um more uh ambitious and complicated and a bigger production and more pressure uh overall it's a big idea presented uh in a big way and celebrated for it um, the other film that was in the race was a very small film called The Conversation. It is very slow, it's very simple, it mostly stars Gene Hackman basically driving himself insane through obsession and paranoia. And it's yeah. just a small little movie with a great twist in the end. I highly, highly recommend it to anyone who wants a good uh, kind of surprise at the end of their movie. And it's so small, it's so simple, but it's so effective um, and it came out at the exact same time. It's the same thing with um, Steven Spielberg. He made Ready Player One, and because he was done with that experience in the span of, I think, 90 days, he had prepared to make the post, shot it, and then edited it. And it got a Best Picture nomination. Like, I, I think people who can produce something big have the ability and dare say will to make something small as well I think it becomes a challenge when they see that big epic thing and they go okay I really can't I, I just drew a big mural on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel why, why don't I just sort of like make a sketch in my house for fun why not yeah I think if, you, I think if he's a good idea man he's a good idea man big or small yeah I can see that he will find the right person and he will not immediately regret it. Unlike some people. 
He's regretted some choices. Well, okay. I don't know. I just like. Not everyone's perfect. Alright, fine, whatever. I just don't I like mean, how. Just, the Incredible Hulk is an interesting example. Um, Edgar Wright was an interesting example. Well, it's not like. Well, we've said it here before. It's like. Edgar Wright's idea just didn't fit the direction anymore. I don't think it was anybody's fault, really. Yeah. I. It's the it's it's the question about how my like I I like pop music. I have no problem with pop music. I really I really don't. Um, whatever's on top forty, I'll give it a chance. But mostly, I I just don't really dig it. It's just not my bag. It doesn't challenge me. And but sometimes I enjoy it. Sometimes I don't want to think about it. There was a Katy Perry song that came out like last year. I loved it. And I was listening to some Taylor Swift with my dad last night. And I was really digging what she was doing. I like Billie Eilish. Like, there's some stuff that I know and I dig. But that stuff is made to reach as many people as possible. You want to ruffle as least amount of feathers as possible. That is what Marvel is doing. It is trying to reach everyone to sell toys to everyone across the world they are trying to make pop music and yes you can be an artist and make pop music you can define it at the same time aka the Beatles but I, I, I the thing about Edgar Wright is Edgar Wright was an opportunity for them to allow a filmmaker to challenge that idea and really Add some interesting aspects to what, what was, I mean, some notably slow idea. i got to be honest. I, I don't, I like the Ant-Man films. I think they're fun and charming, but I don't really think that they're, it's not a very good film. Uh, and I wish they were better. I wish they were James Gunn. James Gunn was the first one that I think they were like, okay, this guy is quirky and weird, but he gets what we're doing. And that is pretty interesting when you look at that guy's filmography. It's crazy. Like, he is a gross, disgusting, kind of obscene guy who's also very smart and tongue-in-cheek. Edgar Wright, I guess, is just too visual. And you can make it. I guess you're making a very good argument, Chris, that he, he was just too visual. And that is kind of a problem when you're trying to make your films all look the same. And, yeah, if I look at Endgame, I'm like, yeah, it works at the end of the day, but then we have the Joker. Or Joker. Mm. We have Logan. We have films that challenge the status quo, and it doesn't mean we can't have Marvel films, but it it does seem odd that we can't have outworld films like those in the Marvel Universe. Or challenge that idea a little bit more. Thor Ragnarok does that, and people remember it. Like, I, I think the one that balanced the line perfectly the best was Captain America. Those films are great within the universe. They just married it perfectly, and Iron Man just sort of birthed it at the end of the day. But everyone else is sort of their own thing. Like, I, I really loved Spider-Man 2. I really loved it. Far, far From Home, I loved it. 
and I really started seeing it the second time around through John Watts' eyes. I started seeing like the repetition from the last movie and how it mirrors it, just like how visual that guy is. And it reminded me of the movie that turned me on to him in the first place, and that was Cop Car. And I didn't see Cop Car in the first film. I see it in this one. And I, just, I think Marvel is getting it. I do, but they stumbled along the way. So I, I think Kevin Feige has the possibility to maybe screw up because he doesn't understand the world and he's only made a certain kind of movie. But also, is there any real difference between an action-adventure film in a Marvel universe and a Star Wars movie sometimes? Not really. They're fun. You just got to understand the relationships, what works, where's the best chemistry, how do you keep your story propulsive, and how do you keep your audience entertained? And how you do that by knowing the product. Yeah. I, I, I know I'm... It, I, I'm not a big Kevin Feige, like, huge guy, but I, you, can't, you can't walk away from those films and not be impressed by him as a producer at the end of the day. Uh, and his willingness to fix relationships like James Gunn and to listen to people yeah. when they sensible arguments like Tom Holland and continue working relationships so that maybe in the future they can work because no one knows what's really going to happen except him he's got the world weighing on his shoulder he knows the future that guy knows the future that guy knows what move, what next five movies are going to come out but he has no idea how the world is going to react to it yeah that's true. crazy you know you're going to you know you're going to affect the world and several million people and you know that it's going to happen because you said yes and you signed a contract and things are happening, sets are getting built, people are putting their lives on the line for your ideas for the next five years. Like, And the guy seems cool at the end of the day, so I, I don't know how he sleeps at night. <clears throat> Just, yeah, whoever he picks to direct is less likely to get fired, is all I'm saying. For yeah. being different. It's also going to be interesting because he won't be the boss. He's going to be like by the. He's still going to be at the whims of the Star Wars people. It's true. Okay. Second half to this topic: Is he replacing Kathleen Kennedy? No. Thank you. Do I think that that man can control both of those things? Like. I don't think he'd be able to do both at the same time successfully unless he starts to uh, relinquish power at Marvel. Um, so unless he wants to step away from Marvel and start making Star Wars movies, then great. You know, go where you want to go and focus what you want to focus on. If they're like, we're going to pay you a bunch of money to like make a Star Wars movie and like get us on the right track, I hope as he's like, okay, I want to make a Star Wars movie. And I'll, and yeah, I'll do it. But I don't think he's gonna like control it. I think like I think he just wants to make a Star Wars movie. That's the thing. Like someone looked at him and they were like, "You should make a Star Wars film." And he was like, "Oh my god, I can if I want." You know what? I want to make a Star Wars film. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. He can do whatever he wants. And I think people who are flipping out about like Kathleen Kennedy and all that are nutty, buddy. I think she's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, I think the fan community also needs to take a chill pill, in general. That'll never happen. Well, 
Not as long as crazy stuck up people are in the community, you're right. Well, then I'm I hope these are also the crazy stuck up people who ripped Empire Strikes Back, a new asshole, until suddenly Return of the Jedi came back and they realized what great, what kind of great movie they actually had. To say that Star Wars fans are fickle is hey. true, but there are but there are some fans that are like, they um, like they have their they have their tree. I'm sorry, they 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 have their hill and they die on it. That, oh, yeah. Because cause that's the thing that happens to everyone with their favorite pop culture things. Like, as you get older, at some point, you stop. And every time you go back to it, there's a tinge of nostalgia because you know that you stopped. And it's going to happen with everything. It's just, it's bound to. So, at, for some people, Last Jedi was the hill they died on. They're like, this is not the thing I wanted. It's not the thing that I like. I'm just not going to watch it anymore. And when they come back, it's just never going to be the same for them. And that's where the fickleness lies, because this thing has been around for decades. So there's a bunch of different kinds of fans. They're always diehards for whatever they're diehards for. But Chris, you're a prime example of someone who is malleable. You adapt because you care about this product and you want it to be good. And you want you know you want people to like it. You want to have fun when you go. And you're not looking for the faults. You're not looking for you at the end of the day for this thing you love to like abandon you. It's not going to in your mind. It's it's a fun thing that you love. And it may be something that like you get mad about. Something so mad that you may get yourself fired at work because you like yell from some news. Or you like scream in public and people are like afraid of you. Like you're passionate about it to a point that it defines who you are. But you're also able to change with the art. That's amazing. And some fans can do that. And some fans are just too critical. And some fans are just all about the originals. Some fans are about the prequels. It's just... It's crazy. I, I, I can see them getting rid of Kathleen Kennedy after this trilogy is done. After this trilogy is done, they like, or okay, Kathleen Kennedy's like, I'm, I'm going to take a break, guys. I'm going to go do this for a while. And then they start using other producers until they find somebody they like. But also at the same time, I don't really see that happening as well. I think, I think they feel very proud about Last Jedi. And I think they feel like the response was bad because the worse arguments and the most annoying arguments were the loudest and I think time is going to treat that movie better yeah. and also the other thing is they're, defi- they're trying to get an audience that's young now so they'll enjoy it later they're trying to get kids to go to the amusement park so they'll grow up and be like I love Star Wars because I saw the I went inside the Millennium Falcon I was there guys I saw it I met Chewie like don't tell me it's not real so <laughs> they they they're they're defining a childhood, so they know where that's going. And I don't think Kathleen Kennedy is going to leave right after this trilogy. I think she's they're going to give her a little bit of time. But I also Disney is pretty they're they're pretty flaky. Like if they don't think something is going the way they like, they will cut that branch. And a lot of that has to do with stuff that we don't know. So it's all guessing from here. But I think the fans that are making arguments that Kennedy is not good are not making good arguments yet. And I, I think the response to 
I think the response to Solo and its production was bad, and I, I, I liked Rogue One. I think a lot of people liked Rogue One, but it was fan service and not necessarily anything new. Um, that will be different when they build on it with their streaming service, but I, I don't know. I, it's all about what happens after this trilogy is over. Will this ending be effective? Is it really going to be a conclusive... I don't, I don't care if it concludes nine movies. I just wanted to conclude the, the two that we saw before this. That's yeah. all I want. And just stick that landing. And I, I feel like they should just focus on that... And maybe JJ is. Honestly, if they nail the landing, I would be very okay with them saying we need to step away from Star Wars for five or six years. Nope. Even maybe too long. Maybe even a bit longer. Nope. Because honestly, I understand that's not what they're actually doing, Chris. But I would be very okay that if like everything worked out well at the end of the day and the fans have a good thing if they just step away from it and say, look, guys, we know we promised you some stuff. We need to step away so we can give you a great experience. Agreed. Not five or six years. That's too long. No, I think that's not enough time, realistically. Nope. Wait, okay, want- listen, you buy you buy I- a property for $4.4 billion. You have, like, a stretch of, what, four years where you do something? You're going to take even... Double that off to just do nothing with it? Well, I'm saying don't make movies. They sure. have the music. You probably already got a return on the investment already, but still. Yeah, they've made their investment back. They can sit on it for a while if they choose to. Yeah. Like, first off, they have Galaxy's Edge. They Galaxy's Edge is going to make them more money than they'll ever know what to do with. Period. Despite all the drama going on with that. Galaxy X is going to make tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of money. Like, realistically, Chris, they could take five or six years off making a mainline Star Wars or even side Star Wars movies or even shows for Disney+. Plus. They don't have to do nothing because, you know what? They can take five or six years and say, hey, guys, remember when we made Star Wars? Hell yeah, I remember when we made Star Wars. Then eventually they will get to the point... Where they're not going to ever, ever make a movie ever again. Because they'll be like, you know, we got TV. We got the games, however bad they are, because we're all marks. We got the books and the comics, blah, 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 blah. We got the theme parks. Eventually, they will come to a point and say, you know what? No more movies. Eventually, they will come to that and say, we don't need this anymore. We're making enough money off of what it is already. We're just going to not make any more movies. How do you think people are going to react to that? Companies work. That, that's not how companies work. I, 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 this is what I'm saying. Okay, Zach is right. They're going to keep making Star Wars movies. However, as we know, they had a bunch of stuff planned. They were really, really excited about the future of Star Wars. And now half of those things aren't happening anymore or they're, being happening, in, they're happening in some other form. That, that's the thing. They, they had that plan. They were going to just douse us in Star Wars because they thought we were going to love it. But Last Jedi and Han Solo made them pull the reins and slow down. And they are. They're like, okay, we're going to put out this trilogy. We're going to—we're not going to put any side movies out. We're going to finish it. And then we're going to put people in the world through the streaming service and the TV shows. 
we're, we're going to start with that, and then we're going to make sure the next movie is good, and we'll go from there. It's not that they're going to stop making movies, but they've slowed down what they were going to do. I think they're going to slow down exponentially, really. I think, like, oh. in two years, they're going to let Mandalorian and whatever else they put on Plus and Galaxy's Edge really be the driving Star Wars force for a while. And when it's you just think it's out of your mind, and you're just like, you know what, it's been a, a, a minute or two since I've been Star Wars, Bam! Star Wars movie at the end of the year, and they're gonna make a billion dollars. Nope. Is that nope. a smart idea? Yes. Are they going to do that? No. Of course not. They want money. They just want money, and they know the only way to, for people to have money is to fit the attention span of today, and that is to keep putting out Star Wars movies. Like, like here's the thing. People were forgetting about Jurassic Park, so they just kind of like, were putting out Jurassic World. Ooh, Jurassic World did alright, it made money, people were like, let's put out the second movie. Ooh, it's kind of, uh, and so what are we doing? We're bringing back all three original actors from the first film. We're getting that. We're pushing that. Well, that button. short film that they just released that was really cool. I didn't, didn't watch it, but it did look good. I'll be honest. It was cool. It was directed by Trevorrow, which was, yeah, but it looked cool. Uh, all I'm saying is, if you stop for one second in the world of media, they will forget about you. Oh, yeah. New comes. So they need, they can't, even if it's Star Wars or not, people will come back. But now they've put out a theme park. They want kids, they want people to keep going. Like, if they don't make a movie for a while, it's just the TV shows, and people don't really have the time to watch that many episodes or whatever, except the true fans. Like, who knows what's going to happen? Like, they need to put the movies out as long as movies are viable and profitable. And I don't know how much longer that's going to be. That's another whole other argument. Like, maybe they'll stop making movies because movies are just not profitable in theaters anymore, and they'll just make long miniseries. And it'd be, I think that's pretty interesting, to be honest. I, I, Quentin Tarantino has always wanted to do that and has always thought that's where streaming services were going to lead. And I find that interesting. But I, I don't think they're going to stop making movies. I just think they stopped making them at the pace that they were going to. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to do Star Wars movies every few years now, which is every couple of years or whatever. Just enough where they're completely released on the next one. They've already had the next one announced and they have a date out, and you know when it's coming out. Well, outside of that, is there anything else people want to talk about? Uh, well, I actually have a couple things. This is actually kind of half a segue into the next section, half a non-segue, and more of a, a kind of a real-world type of thing here. Okay. So, as we know, Joker came out, what was it, last, on Friday? Was it Friday? No, it was this weekend. Yep. It was Friday? Um, this past weekend. So, a movie theater out in... Colorado, not just any movie theater, the movie theater that, um, oh, that one. whatever the, his name was, who shot the place up during Dark Night Rides. I know, we're getting real depressed here, but we're about to talk about something that is going to be in this vein. Uh, oh, opted out of gating Joker for fear of a retaliation attack. Um, and then, not too long after that, both the cities of New York and Los Angeles uh, deployed their entire police department to various movie theaters to functionally protect said movie theaters against copycat killers. Or potential copycat killers, I guess. So, 
what is your thought? What's your thoughts about both of those things? So, and I know this has not as much to do with film, but it does. This is an important part of film. I think that first off, people are crazy, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about why people felt this way when we get into talking about Joker as a whole. But um, I think people are very much overreacting. I think it was fair for the theater in Aurora, the Aurora Theater, to decline in showing it. They have a bad history, and I understand their fear because they've been targeted. You know what I mean? Uh They have a very justifiable fear to not accept that movie at all. Uh, I think L.A. and New York kind of really overreacted on that a little bit. Um, To tell you guys, I don't think you you and Alex noticed, but we had a couple police officers at our screening, if you didn't notice. They were walking around the theater... Uh, in the lead-up to that. No, I noticed. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple officers wandering around. That wasn't just small security. These were, like, guys ready for anything. Um, so, you know, the fear was there. Let's let's go with that. People, people are freaked out by the potential public reaction to Joker. Uh, and... Much of that has to do with the the political atmosphere that we're in right now, but a lot of it also has to do with the content in that movie. Um, and like I said, I don't blame the theater in Aurora for that. That's the one reaction I'm not surprised by, in all honesty. But uh, my other argument is how many Batman movies or movies with Joker in it have come out since then with no reaction. Whether this is Joaquin Phoenix shedding a light on something very dark or something else, I don't think that that should change anything realistically. We got Suicide Squad, what? Three years ago and we had no issues with Suicide Squad? Uh, Not with that theater, no. No. Uh, So I think this is a little bit of an overreaction to both uh, the critical consensus about Joker and what uh, a lot of people had to say about it and and what a lot of other people had to say about it. And Again, the theater's own fear for having a movie centered around the character, and last time they had it, they, you know, a hundred people got injured or worse. So, um, I can understand that. Uh, I think New York and LA are nuts for doing what they did, but that's a whole other thing. So, um, I. I- I do want to talk about the the atmosphere around the film and the conversation around the film before we actually talk about the film. Um, So I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, Yes. As as for the theater that decided not to um, show the movie. Well, not uh, even not to show the movie. They opted out of getting it at all. They just... Yeah, just not show... Yeah, they just didn't want to show it. They didn't want to play it at the theater. Um, To to say that they were uh, afraid... And that that they were afraid a shooter was going to happen. I know that for some people that fear was real, but mostly for the theater, it was about um, the um, the content of the movie and just how it would bring up memories. Just it was more of like we just it just it just seems wrong for us to show it because we think people will be affected by it. Um, and I think they are right to say that. Um, people who work for the theater or connected to the theater saw the movie when it was at festivals, 
and they watched Jack, and they were like, look, there's a difference between Jared Leto's Joker, who's just like a crazy idiot, and plus, on top of that, the audience wasn't behind him. Most people didn't like that version of it. The thing about this guy is that he's just a sad, depressed, mentally ill man who felt the world did him wrong and acted out violently. And the thing is, it's a very, I mean, some might say a little bit too pretentious, but it is a fairly realistic, if not, um, not it's an, it's an ugly like uh, presentation of that. It's not, it's realistic. It's like you, you, people don't want to watch a movie about a, a real guy who's going through problems who eventually takes his, you know, violence out on people. Like, you just, that, that's too real. Whereas, like, Jerry Leto's Joker was, like, laughing and crazy and cuckoo and trying to be weird. Like, this guy's got problems. And, yes, there are some people who misunderstood that the Aurora shooter was trying to be Joker. He just wasn't. He just picked The Dark Knight Rises because it was a very popular... It was the most popular movie coming out that year. Um, and he knew a lot of people would be there. That's the only reason why. His hair was orange because he dyed his hair orange. And it's not even the color of the Joker. And people have been getting that wrong for a while. And that's causing a lot of fear, too. And to, to say that places like L.A. and New York don't have crazy people in them and don't have their own history of gun violence and people just sort of acting out, um, that they don't have the, the right to be able to safeguard their theaters, they, they may have the right. But at the same time, do I also think that there was a lot of people just sort of overreacting too? Yes. Do I think the FBI issuing a warning about this movie to theaters is sort of overreacting? Yes, because I don't think art incites violence. I think... If you're going to do something, you're going to do something. And the trigger is not the art. It's, it's it's just something that's connected to a problem that's already existed. And it's just a way for people to avoid how people, uh, how people affect people, how systems affect people, institutions. The film graces over it, but also it. I think it's a good movie. But I don't think it's going to inspire anyone to commit any act of violence. I don't think the film uh, glorifies it at all. But I also think it doesn't have anything to say either. So when people walk away and they're like, this movie's dangerous, I'm like, no, you just really think that you're smarter than the audience or you think the audience is dumber than you. It's one of the two and one is way more condescending than the other. But it's still condescending. But there are people, like, to me, the more interesting argument is, like, the people walking away talking about how the film was crafted and how much of it is derivative and how much of it worked by the end of the movie. And yes. that, those are the people that I think are making the far more interesting arguments that are able to look beyond all that stuff and say, look, like Martin Scorsese has been making movies like these forever, like Wolf of Wall Street came out years ago, and that that toes that line pretty darn well. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that people have a legitimate fear because of um, shootings that have been happening recently, or at the very yeah. least, the more the, the more that the media has focused on shootings. But to be honest, I think there are a lot of shootings lately. Um, but I, I don't think that this film is trying to say that those people should be 
understood and therefore glorified and or excused. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with humanizing someone who does something horrible. It just makes you understand that person as a human being more as best you can until you can't. And once you can't, that that that's the whole point. You can watch a movie about someone that's bad and not necessarily agree with who they are or what they do. It's it's Clockwork Orange. I was thinking a lot of other movies, yeah. but Clockwork Orange is one that was reminding me a lot. When he was dancing down those stairs, I was like, oh, wow, that reminds me a lot of Alex when he's like, raping that woman with his friends singing singing in the rain it, it, yeah. there are a lot of movies I was thinking of that people seem to forget about in their effort to just sort of talk about how much it's like King of Comedy and Taxi Driver yeah it's it's intriguing um, very intriguing about uh, the whole everything about that but I don't know, man. Like, people are crazy. I I think that people's reactions towards this movie were much more extreme than I think they needed to be. But I, I just think that... I, I just think that there's a problem... Because people seem to like the movie. That, yeah. Um, people that know what they're going, walking in, understanding what they're getting. Um, as we all know, walking out of this, walking into the show that we were going to just before watching people exit, uh, they were, they were perplexed. But I, I can tell you this, I've still been thinking about the movie even to today. Yeah. And don't always do that with Marvel movies. Sometimes they're just like, great. And I want to watch them again because I'm not really thinking about them and I want to watch them again. This movie, I could like, I, it's pretty well in my head. I, I remember a lot of it because a lot of it was pretty effective for the things that I liked about it. Yeah, it, that's true. So I think we should talk about this movie now. Let's let's talk a little bit about this movie. Chris, you've had some time to sit and think it through, and you didn't have much too much to say about everything else. So so let's let's hear what we got we we got here. Oh, I'm picking a lollipop. Yeah, take that one. <sighs> Weird image, but okay. No, I need the child like surrogate of a cigarette in my mouth. Okay. I haven't been the same human being since I saw this movie. Okay. Damn. Please, do go on. Um. First of all, let me just start. Like, I really came out of it, I'm like, I can't believe I have friends who want to see that. <laughs> it's intense. It's... At times... For me, at least, socially awkward, which is more painful than anything, like, I could ever experience so far. A lot of people. Um, and it's brutal. Um, physically Honestly, and emotionally. I thought, less, I thought it was less brutal than it, than it could have been. Physically and emotionally. 
Okay. I'll say on. I'll say honestly, it's, it's taxing emotionally. It's yep. If you're willing to just go with the movie and what it's able, what it's willing to do, like it's a big, it's a lot of bad stuff happens in this world to a lot of people, not just Arthur's. So like, a lot, like it, it's a dark path for a long time before that ending gets really interesting. And I think it works, but I think I, I, when I thought brutal, I thought violent. I thought it was going to be really violent. And to be honest, the violence is effective, but. I wouldn't say it's violent, but it's brutal emotionally and psych and psych and psychologically. Yeah, yeah, psychologically and emotionally for sure. I couldn't remember that word. It's a hard word. Words are hard. Just my, my God. So, uh, what did you think you were gonna get walking in? What were your expectations walking in, and then how were they affected as you watched the movie? Um. Nihilism? Okay. A very, very, very strong outing of nihilism is what I was expecting. I certainly think that's what you get in the in the final act of the movie, but I don't think that's Arthur's goal or his intention at the beginning. I feel like that he is worn into that idea for sure and thinks that idea is funny. It was, the more I think about it, it's just like, God, this one was so strange, and it's like, at every single turn, by the way, spoilers, um, potential spoilers, I, I, I don't know, so, no, let's go for it, let's go right, for it. Fine. So, like, at every conceivable turn, like, it just goes wrong. Because it's just, like, people misunderstand. And people misunderstand him and his intentions, and then they just react, and then he's left to suffer for it. Um, and then the whole thing with the uh, the supposed girlfriend, and then what that twist brought. I'm like, wait, she doesn't know who that is? Like, oh, he exists in his... Uh, that whole yep. time she was existing in his head. Oh, no. And, like, then to find out that Thomas Wayne may be his father only for him to realize not only is he not his father that his mother is insane um and it is with that and then he smothers his mother in the hospital bed that was probably the most shocking part of the movie really yes to me that was the most shocking part of the movie just him smothering his mother um And just, oh, God. It just made me think of just like, that literally, the scary, like the scary, like the, the thing, the scary part about this 
And I think what affected me the most is like that could literally be anybody. To wow. be perfectly honest, that could literally be anybody. That's interesting you say that because that's what most people say is one of the most frightening aspects of Taxi Driver. And just there's nothing I think comic book about this. Like it does not follow any tropes of comic book movie storytelling at all. And I think that's what people are going to that's what that's what the kind of the thing that I was saying like um like I like like when I say I have friends who want to see this cuz I think they're kind of expecting just a cartoonishly dark movie. This movie's real. You know, it's real. And just, it's, it's either going to affect them in ways like, like it's going to be like really traumatic, or they're going to, or it's going to go over their heads entirely. You know, like either they're going to be deeply trauma, like traumatized by it and never going to want to like see anything of the sort ever again or it's going to go completely over their heads and they're going to miss the entire meaning of the film like entirely this is like like this movie this movie's so brutal um and it's just like oh man I don't know I don't know I don't know what other I don't know what else I can really say other than holy crap Joaquin Phoenix is great and it only makes it, I was wondering throughout the entire movie how good would his brother have been not as Joker but just in general no River was really good at, even at his age but Joaquin this is one of many great performances from him this might be his best but also he's made amazing performances like this before mm. oh man just I don't know what else to say, honestly. What about you, Zach? So, Alex, you and I chatted a little bit after the movie about this movie. Uh, to, to play devil's advocate against Chris a little bit, because I know he loves when I do this. You always do that. <laughs> I swear to God. Uh... I think there's a little bit of comic booky in this movie. Nope, there's absolutely not. I intent- oh man, we're gonna have a night tonight. I full heartedly disagree with you. There's there nothing stereotypical about this. There is one particular nope. scene. Nope, I will immediately uh, deny it. You I and I talked it. about I, nope. this, and that's the talk show scene. Nope, he walks out. Classic, 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 classic Joker comic book villain. And you know he's gonna do something horrible, and we all think he's gonna he's gonna shoot himself in in this scene in front of the world, and he just shoots the host. I knew immediately he was he wasn't gonna kill himself. I thought he was actually gonna kill himself. No, I didn't think so. I wasn't convinced. I I, I agree. I, Zach is actually pointing to an idea that we did talk about, and I do kind of agree with Zach that it doesn't follow 
normal comic book movie uh, tropes because it's a character study. It's a different kind of movie. It's all about the one-man show of Joaquin Phoenix. There are great things about it, like its cinematography and score and set design, and sure, but it's all about... I think Joaquin Phoenix is in, like, every single shot, but uh, the thing is, it does, as a story, you could make a comic book out of it. You could make a comic book about a guy that goes sort of rogue bad and everything, but how you start it is, like, you start with a talk show, and then, uh, like, a clown guy comes out, and he starts talking crazy, and all of a sudden he shoots the host, and then he holds everyone hostage, and then Batman comes out and he stops him. But throughout the comic, you get to see the history of how this guy got here. I could see that as a comic these days. That does make sense to me. But as a movie, I agree with you, Chris. It doesn't follow normal standards. It's a... It's a completely different kind of movie that I don't think you know very well, Chris, but these are like, this is crazy stuff that's like, I like. This is like there will be blood territory. This is about an actor going for it, for a role, and by the end, like, convincing you you're not watching that actor, you're watching this actor. It's like a Daniel Day-Lewis performance. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, at he is the thing that I focus on the most. He's the thing that sold me throughout the entire movie. But, like, once he was on the talk show, yeah, I was like, oh my god, I could totally see a clown on a talk show holding people hostage until Batman has to stop him. But if there's no Batman, how would that end? And it would make more, it would make be even more dramatic and compelling if we knew how he got there in the first place. I think that would work. I, and I think it works here. I think the middle is... I, I think the middle's a little weird. I think the girlfriend stuff, people hate it a lot. And to be honest, I wish they did more with it, sure. But I do find it interesting that he, the moment he finds the truth out, that his mom actually made up the relationship with Bruce, uh, with Bruce's dad, that he immediately goes to her place and sits in her apartment and then waits to find out if he was just as delusional as his mom and made up the relationship with her. And guess what? He did. That's what I find very interesting. People keep knocking it, and they have some have legitimate reasons. Like they kind of hammer down the point a little bit too hard. But I do. I think it's very interesting that it happens the moment he finds out his mom did the same thing, and he needed to double check if his relationship was real, and it wasn't, and that affected him even more. So I do think that's very interesting. Like in timing of the story that that happens, but the middle is, it's it kind of fledges for a bit. But once he actually becomes the Joker, the movie becomes really good. Like, great. I think it becomes great. And when he's actually him on the talk show, to the all the way to the end of the film, I, I was like, Joker. For sure. That's a Joker. I love it. That is a Joker. Not my Joker or anything, but like, that's a Joker I love. I dig it. For it. I, yeah, I, I agree. And I think, like, what's even crazier and a scene that really mm. stuck with me through this whole movie and I've been thinking about this um, was uh, his first major killing which was really interesting because it starts off as very 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 much justifiable self defense I think realistically if he he in this horrible time had been in the mental wellness say, yeah, these guys were bugging me, I was carrying a gun because I'm worried for my safety, and I accidentally shot them, he might have gotten away with it, as weird as it is. Uh, But then, 
what's crazy is it goes from self-defense to this guy's crawling away, he's bleeding, he's begging for his life, and Arthur, something just snaps in him, and he just sits there and he shoots the guy. Just no, no fear, no nothing. And then his first immediate thing after doing that is go into a bathroom and do the creepy, weird dance that he does. And I actually just saw a video today about Top Phillips mm. breaking down that that uh, bathroom scene, actually. And we find out, and uh, he talked about how basically uh, Phoenix basically just straight up, like, improv it. 100%. Like, they, they had this scene that they had planned where Arthur was going to sit there and he's going to be like, why did I do this? How did I do this? You know, he's, like, slowly going crazy and he's starting to come to realize it. And then, and Phoenix just wasn't having it, and neither was Phillips. And with 200 people on the outside and that, uh, you know, uh, Phillips just pulls out his phone. He has this this song, which is the song we actually end up getting in that scene. It was played uh, by the, uh, the, the, uh, the music writer. And he just plays it and tries to get an idea, and Phoenix just starts doing this weird-ass dance. He doesn't know what's going on. He does it. And he watches it for a minute, and he says, that's our scene. We're just, that's what we're going to do. And he goes out, and they shoot the scene, and that's what made it into the movie. Yeah, I heard that. Um, it just kind of also highlights how good of a, like, how good of an eye Philip has for capturing a moment. Uh, yeah. Years of comedy and catching comedians do improv. He, he knows a moment when he sees it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... I, I think that that scene in particular, it's not even just an improv moment, that was an improv moment by Phoenix and Phillips figuring shit out, it, it's a weird and kind of disturbing uh, shot to, or scene to get immediately after Arthur just goes and murders three people. Alright. Um, and in my opinion, one of the most brutal displays in the movie, too. Um, he... Um, he just doesn't know how to handle himself, so he just he just dances. He, he doesn't have anything else. And I think what's really cool is when you look at that, you look at that, and you're like, "That's that's a Joker. That that's exactly what I would imagine would be the actual origin of the persona of Joker that eventually Arthur fully accepts." And I really do believe that. At that scene on the talk show when he when he shoots um, the character Murray, that's Arthur functionally turning his back on Arthur Fleck and solidifying himself as Joker. Period. And that people might call him Arthur, but he's not Arthur. Arthur's dead, as far as he's concerned. Yeah, I like that. Um. And it, it's really deep. And this movie is very, very deep. And what's really interesting about this movie is I think a lot of people expected this movie to be very, very... Um, how, how do I want to describe it? Very, um, very mainstream, and it's not at all. It, quite the opposite. This is, this is a movie that I would expect to see on the festival scene for a year or two before it even made a small run at a movie theater uh, on the main scene, and then just to randomly show up at the Oscars here and there, 
and you know be be an indie movie and people that have never seen this movie until the Oscars rolled around and that's what I would have expected out of this movie and this movie and it, it is that because I've seen it time and time again I mean the best example is a short term 12 I bring this movie up a lot and it's truly a great movie but it is kind of a slow burn kind of like Joker it's very deep kind of like Joker it's not dark in, in the same way it's, a, it's actually in my opinion quite a hopeful film but it 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 really plays off the character moments very much like this. Obviously, this is just Joaquin Phoenix doing a two hour and thirty minute one man show about this dude named Arthur Fleck. That that's really what this movie is, and it, and it never never strays from that ever. In you know, yes, it takes place in Gotham City. Yes, there's Thomas Wayne. Yes, yes, he meets Thomas's son named Bruce. Yes, he meets a guy named Pennyworth. Like. It's there, and they're part of the story, but you could have named those characters anything. You could have said it in New York for all we give to shit, honestly. And, you know, it could have had nothing to do with the Batman mythos and just been a story about this, this, uh, this, you know, this, this professional clown who went mad and killed a talk show host that he liked. Murray could have been anybody. It could have been Stephen Colbert. It could have been anyone. And it would have still made sense, and it still would have been effective. It had to, it didn't have to have anything to do with the Batman mythos, and it would have been effective. Yeah, I, and that's what I think is truly the beauty of this film is when you got all the the Batman mythos and stuff. All that's there for is to get the as fan basis who know what they're going to see and want to see that stuff. You, this movie could have been anything. It could have been a drama thriller that had nothing to do with Batman whatsoever, and it still could have been called Joker. It still could have been called everything. It was still used all the same imagery and everything, and it would have been the same movie. People would have had the same issues. It had it having to do with the Batman mythos had nothing to do with this movie, honestly. Uh, I I do think that you, this movie works even without it, but I also think that the ending works better with it. I think I think the ending is a because at the end of the day, Thomas I do think I, I honestly think that the ending works like if I saw that on a cartoon, like if I saw that on animated Batman, I, I that would work for me. But yeah. I, I I think I, when people keep saying that this movie could exist without it, yeah, absolutely. It's almost like they took a movie and just slapped some Batman stuff on it. But I also think that the Batman stuff is fun. That's what makes it interesting. It's nice to have a morally ambiguous comic book movie. Why not? Like, all this stuff doesn't challenge people. And, like, do I think the movie is that deep? No, I think it's kind of derivative. But do I also think that it's pretty good in, like, its copy? Yeah. Do I think that there are things about it that succeed past that derivativeness? Absolutely. Phoenix is amazing. And I think Phillips deserves a lot more credit than he gets. But I also think he can he talks too much. Like, he should just shut his mouth sometimes. Especially when he's marking. Like, be a jerk sometimes and have differing opinions, sure, but, like, when your movie's out, like, shut up. Just talk about your movie. So... Yeah, he, he's been very... Todd Phillips as a person has been kind of really, really not good. Um, and I think that's going to get him in trouble when it comes down to it at the end of the day. 
Uh, what's really interesting that I think, though, is that the critics have ripped this movie a new one, but the fans love it. The fans, I've seen very little negative or mixed reviews about this movie. I mean, I'm looking at Metacritic now, and there's, there's you know, two over 2,000 user scores, and it's got an average of 9.3. I mean, that's that's incredible. Like, 100, 1,990 reviews are positive. That's 80 or above. That's incredible. I mean, it... And then, you know, you look at the critic reviews and it's 58s all around. People, critics can't seem to figure out what's going on with this movie. And I think that's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, the critics are all over the board. I think some of them, some have good points. Some are looking past them. Some see it as ridiculous but fun. Some see it as, like, dumb but good. I they, They're all over the board. I find a lot of them interesting. You can tell a, an argument that uh, doesn't make sense right off the bat, and you can... There are some people making some good arguments, too. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I think Phillips can produce good films. Uh, and I, as this is obviously his like best film. Is it kind of a mess? Yes, but at the end of the day, was I entertained, and did I absolutely like the end result of what I watched? Do I think that the, at the do I think the movie succeeded in what it wanted to do by the end? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Not just with Phoenix, but as a whole. Is some of it like could you throw it by the wayside? Absolutely. But when it tells the story of a man who just sort of is beaten down and through all these different uh, avenues through life, through family, through society, all of these things that just keep doing this to him and instead of him uh, handling it well, he, he decides to make a big joke out of it and inflict it on everyone else. And that sense of nihilism that Chris was a, yeah, like, I, I expecting just... and saw it, like, it's in his words at the end, I don't believe in anything. And I believed Phoenix when he said that. That that's the great thing. Like you watched a move, you watched a guy go at the end of the day that I don't believe in anything, and then everyone thinks he stands for something, and that's the danger of the movie. That's the danger of the Joker, as well as him just like also being scary in the movie. Um, so yeah, I I said before that I don't know if it'll get an Oscar for Best Picture nomination, but it might. It actually might get that. Do I think Phillips will get director? No, but do I think it'll? get a Best Picture nom? Maybe. The argument and the conversation and the success of it uh, cannot be ignored. So I also think that Phoenix will probably win Best Actor for this movie, in all honesty. Again, if he campaigns, and also it depends on who's he, who he is against, but he is, the, he is a strong, strong frontrunner for it, right off the bat. I mean, so, so the argument right now, based on what we know, is the only other real frontrunner that people have really talked about prior to this movie is Won't You Be My Neighbor by Tom with Tom Hanks playing Fred Rogers. Well, what about Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? That, and that's the other one. Those are the three frontrunners right now that we're looking at. Is We're looking at Joaquin Phoenix also, and Joker. Also Adam Driver and Marriage Story. I haven't seen Marriage Story, so I couldn't tell you how. A lot of, a lot of, people, a lot of people love the performances and think that there's going to be Best Actor for him and a Best Actress for Scarlett Johansson. I would love to to see that good. I mean, it's not out yet. Again, two of these movies aren't out yet. We, you know, two of these movies are coming out, what, in December? Pretty close to? That's yeah, not, yeah, that's not including 
anything we know about The Irishman, which has also supposedly been getting good early reviews, which could lead to Robert De Niro getting something. You know, that there's a whole number of things we could talk about here. I could talk about the possibility that the Academy recognizes Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit for all I care. But that doesn't mean anything. I, what? I, all, I'm, all, all I'm saying is that, like, I, I think that the race is early. We just don't... We just don't know yet, but the conversation is bigger than we know because the festival's just ended and the the, the people are getting talked about. So, like, what about um, Ford v. Fiari? People are loving that. Christian Bale, Matt Damon, one of those guys may get a best lead. We don't know yet. That's true. I mean, again, it's very early to determine. I think we have a couple really major frontrunners who are very ahead of the pack right now, and those being DiCaprio, Hanks, and Hanks at... You know, obviously, from what you said, Adam Driver and uh, Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, those are four very, very strong arguments, I would say. Uh, and, again, this is all dependent on how, how good uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor is. But, but you know, the reviews are very strong for that movie. And I, I would be hard-pressed to think that that movie won't be strong. I I honestly think that it'll get a nomination. I think Phoenix wants to win. I think he put his heart and soul in this, regardless of how people are sort of reacting to it. Um, he's working the um, talk show circuit. He's, he's making, he's doing uh, press for it, and he's doing it happily. And he's being weird, and he's trying to be funny. Um, if he campaigns, he will be nominated, for sure. If they campaign for him, he will be nominated, for sure. But, um, will he win? I don't know. He should, so far. I mean, just like, he, just from what I've, what I've seen this year, standout, standout performance. It's, it's amazing. He became Arthur Fleck. And that's always something that needs to be recognized. So, yeah. I, if I see something better this year, he is my front-runner. Like, no matter what people say or think about the film, he, he is the most compelling and thrilling There's also, um, there's also, uh, Parasite that a lot of people are talking about, too. That's coming that, out next week. I don't know if that's gonna, like, have a main performance in it. It seems like it's ensemble just from what I've seen, but, like, again, I don't know much about it because I'm trying to stay away from any spoilers. No, I understand that, but it did win Palm d'Or at Cannes, which is as big as a Golden Lion, in some people's arguments. Oh yeah, no, it's people have been talking about it. I can't wait. Yeah, I, I love. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we got a lot uh, that that's going down this year. I think you know the best actor, uh, the best actor race is going to be absolutely, absolutely neck and neck. I think there's a lot of great movies coming out this year. Uh, I think that there's a lot that can be said about a lot of these movies, and I think every actor in this is gonna is gonna be a strong choice. I don't think I could honestly pick a best actor right now. I mean, I again haven't seen The Irishman yet. I want to see that movie. Um, we haven't seen uh you know, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood or whatever it's called. We haven't seen Parasite yet. And again, we don't know exactly if there's a best. Uh, there's a there's a major league we could argue in, in Parasite. 
And and there, you know, and then there's the Adam Driver movie you were talking about that I haven't seen. I, there's there's all kinds of things that still haven't been said yet. That it's it's very early in the season, and it's it's very interesting because it's early in the season, but we've already had what three or four major hits already that that people are talking about, and that's not even, and that's that's before we even start talking about. Dark horses like Ad Astra. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there, there's so much more that, that, that can be said here, and it'll be very interesting to see what, what, what ends up happening. So I think we've, I think we've stretched this out for a bit. Yeah. Uh, Chris. Yeah. Still here. Would you like to tell Zach about your experience with Surfer? Gee. <clears throat> oh my god. Um that all we got? Where do I even start? Um Why was Will crying? What what? I'm in an Iron Maiden to pain boy. Yep, you did say that. Um <laughs> oh god. Oh god. <laughs> oh Zach, I wish you were there. I wish you were there. Oh my god. Zach, that was one of the best best experiences I've had in a theater in a long time. <laughs> It was as good as Troll 2, Miami Connection, The Room. It's up there, bro. It was yeah. amazing. <laughs> it's one of the worst films I think I've ever... Hit the, oh my god, I can't even form a sentence anymore. It was fantastic, Zach. You have to see it. The perfect, the perfect disaster. Love on a Leash, Neil Breen kind of crazy, dude. Just like, it was brilliantly bad. 12 minutes <coughs> uncut, straight up rambling. Yeah. Like, literally rambling. Quotes. Just amazing quotes like, I was made out of squid and electricity, boy. I was never made to feel like... I and like vomit seemed... I- Iron Man, he vomits ink because he's made of squid. And the whole theater just erupted. It was, um, there's so many quotable lines in this movie. Uh, it, here's the thing. It starts out with this kid. He is afraid to surf because he went on a big wave. And then he, his dad is dead. And he's fishing now because he can't surf. He just doesn't want to. And so he catches his dad in the ocean. It's really some guy, and he doesn't know it's his dad. He just catches this guy in the ocean on his line. Pulls him in, and the guy's like, I'm your dad. God sent me here. I made a squid in electricity. I'm here to make sure you surf around the world and become a famous surfer. And the kid's like, why? And then he just rambles on. It's just like Bible story, just like crazy, crazy stuff, Zach. Like, it's insane. It's insane. And then you think it's just a story about a guy telling, like, biblical stuff, about his son wants to be a surfer. Incorrect biblical stuff. Yeah, incorrect biblical stuff. Like, he's not even getting the stories right. He's just rambling on and on. It's crazy stuff. 
And so he, he, the kid's like, well, then why do you want me to be a professional surfer? Why do you think I would be good at this? And then the dad freaks out, and he tells the kid, you need to push me in the ocean. And he, he rolls his dad into the ocean. Literally. The dad he rolls him. He rolls his dad. <laughs> and then he, before he goes, he tells his son to go to this military place and like see this doctor guy. And he goes to this, like, Bed Bath & Beyond or, like, tanning salon place that's supposed to be a military installation. They have this stupid <laughs> military bit for a while. And then, like, they make it so secure to see this doctor he's supposed to see, but they still let the kids see him anyway. And then the doctor's like, oh, yeah, I knew your dad. Here, I'm going to give you a bunch of money. You can surf around the world. Oh, man. By the way, your dad's not dead. He's right here. And they reel out the dad in a wheelchair. And he starts spazzing out when the kid talks to him. It's amazing. In the middle of all this, he tells the kid this, and the kid's, like, freaking out because he's like, I just saw my dad on the beach, and now he's here, and he's, like, mentally challenged. And the doctor looks at his friend, and he's like, get this kid a Coke. And he does. (laughs) (laughs) It's hilarious. He gets him a Coke. It's a 20-ounce Coke, so it's huge. And he puts a giant straw in there. And then he does the talking thing with the dad, and the dad freaks out, falls out of the chair, knocks the Coke on the floor, and the audience goes crazy. The kid, like, freaks out. And then they put the dad back in the wheelchair after putting, like, a spoon in his mouth and stopping his seizing. And the doctor's like, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. That was crazy. And then it cuts. The soda is back on the desk, and it's in perfect condition. And then the doctor goes, why don't you just talk to your dad and see what that does? And they replay the first take of the scene. I didn't even notice that. I didn't notice that. I didn't even notice that. It was crazy. They play. They re. They replay the first take because the soda is fine. It has to be. So the first take was the second take, but then they play the first take, which is insane to do because there's a continuity error in the middle of the movie. And then on top of that, it's insane for the story for the doctor to be like, "Talk to your dad." His dad freaks out and seizes on the floor, and it's a huge mess, and everyone freaks out and it disturbs his son. And then when he's fine, he looks at his son and goes, "Why don't you do that again?" He's not going to respond, but you know, maybe something will happen. And then the dad seizes again, and you're like, "Oh, it's just the same scene." Plus, you, you can... find out. You find out in the very next scene, the doctor goes to some, I guess, military captain who runs a ship of some sort. He lays out like a bunch of exposition, but the exposition is about how the dad was like a secret agent, and then when he died, they were going to make him like a zombie secret agent they could control. But then they instead made him mentally challenged. But he's still able to contact his son, and if it's really his son, and it must be because he used information about weather patterns to prove that the ghost was real uh so they give the kid money to surf around the world and then the last 30 minutes of the movies act is footage family footage of the kids surfing in another country and you know it's family footage because the kid is younger the kid's totally younger and then on top of that there's at least 30 minutes of this movie in general that's just surfing footage of his kid like, some of it is good, some of it is bad, sometimes he fails continuously, sometimes they're, like, big waves and you're concerned a little bit. Throughout the and entire and time... How long is this movie? It's like an hour and a half, but it's... It's an hour and a half. <laughs> an hour <laughs> and a half, and, like, a third of it is just this kid surfing. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yes, and it's the worst part. It's the worst what? part. It's the worst part. He wrote his own music for the film. And you can tell right away. It's horrifyingly bad. He pulls out a flute, a surfing guitar, but he's just like, 
It's as if like a kid picked up a guitar and didn't just like he just started strumming. Nope, yeah. no, he's like ding, 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 ding. Just it was unbelievable. It got to the point where all of us just couldn't stop laughing at how bad the music was. It was the icing on the cake of how terrible this movie could be. It was. I think. Beautiful. I think it took me longer to get annoyed by it than you. Of course, I love music. But, like, I... Oh, God, I just... It was amazing, Zach. You should have been there. You... It was beautiful. (laughs) I can't... can't breathe. Like, it's the worst performance of a mentally ill person I've ever seen. Like... It's one of the worst as I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yes. Oh god, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. <laughs> I don't. It was great. It was, like, it was just a phenomenal train wreck. But I mean that in a literal sense. It was a literal you guys said the train wreck. Was there, right? What? I'm sorry? You said the kid was there too, right? No, 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 no. We, we speculated that he would be. Yes. But, but they admitted the they just, like, Yeah, the trial line just knew this was a bad movie and they played it for the bad movie night. And the That's website not- to the movie advertised it. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy on my soul. Oh, oh my god, I hope it comes back. Oh. Uh- Chris, we gotta... Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> there were such lines as, why was Will crying? And the explanation was that every time a Will cries, a man... <laughs> what was it? A man what? I forgot. I, I, <laughs> every time a man... I, I, I swear, will you people it. talking about this movie is gonna make me stupider. Great, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. So much every time a whale cries, oh. no. Every time a man loses his soul. Quoting this is giving me a brain aneurysm. Oh, so much fun! It was a lot of fun. I oh. wish you were there. Bro. Wish you were there. You oh man, that. I'm sure I would have. <laughs> oh god. Oh man, it was. We, we got it. We got an animated movie to talk about that Disney sent to death. Oh my god. Um. Oh my god. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let me get. Let me get my bearings again. <sighs> By the way, Jerker was great. I recommend people see it if they like good movies. Um. <clears throat> Don't go in unprepared. Though. Don't go in unprepared. This is not your average comic book movie. We, I'd like to point out when we went, we went with a fourth who wasn't prepared, and he was very silent after. <laughs> Let's go with that. Yeah, I, it's, I, I'm a proponent of, like, get to know a movie before you walk in. And I know people that aren't and have had terrible experiences, and I think this is something you should look up a little bit before you walk yeah. in. Yeah. In fairness, I talked to him the day after, he seemed fine, and he actually liked the movie a lot, but... <laughs> He, he was very quiet after that, and I was worried for him. <laughs> but, anyways, 
let's talk about treasure portal. Okay. Shall okay. Let's so. Play. Hold on. So. Hold on. What happened there? Hold on. Okay. Okay, it's not bad. All right. Treasure right, planet. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go over the very light details about this movie before we really, really dive deep into this. Uh, this, in my opinion, masterpiece. I honestly think this is one of the best Disney films of the early 2000s. Uh, <laughs> just get in, dude. Just go into the preamble before we say anything. So, Treasure Planet, uh, released in 2002, directed by Robert Clemens, John Musker, nominated for the 2002 Academy Award for Best Animated Picture, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bill Murray, David Hyde Pierce, Martin Short, Roscoe Lee Brown, Emma Thompson, Laurie McAlf, and Patrick McGuahan in his final film role. Uh, musical score by James Newton Howard, uh, perceived as a absolute failure but it is an adaptation of robert louis stevenson's treasure island one of several hundred we're not done uh story written by ron clements john musker ted elliott and the wonderful terry rousseau of avengers fame no 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 i'm sorry not no i'm sorry not not avengers fame sorry my mistake he wrote aladdin shrek and parts of the caribbean wrong guy yes but, um, yeah, so, uh, so that's basically it. I mean, this movie is literally, uh, an all-star cast. I mean, you couldn't have gotten a better cast together, in my opinion, for an animated film. Uh, it's directed <laughs> by two one. of the best animated Disney directors of all time. Uh, it was up against, in my opinion, one of the most... Uh, one of the most competitive uh, Academy Animated uh, Academy Awards. That year it was up against Shrek. Spirit Away, which who won that year? Oh, no, I thought, I thought Shrek won 2002. Lilo and Stitch, uh, Spirit Stallion of Cimarron, and itself. So, I mean, it was in a very competitive year, uh, and it lost to arguably one of the best animated pictures of all time, period. Um... Hmm. So, to say that this movie was competitive against that is saying something. Mm. I, I, um, this movie, uh, was really intriguing because Roger Clemens and John Musker wanted to make this movie since they joined, uh, since they, they, they uh, they, uh, joined, uh, Disney and they pitched this movie alongside Little Mermaid in, uh, in like, the 1980s. Uh, and Disney was like, yeah, pirates are, and, and I'm going to emphasize a lot of the quotes I'm going to say here isn't to offend people. This is supposedly what was said. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm not kidding you, dude. I'm not, I'm literally not kidding. No, it's not, uh, it's not that. It's just that you feel offended. Disney straight up told them, we said, we don't want to do this. Pirates are gay. <laughs> Um, so, they were told to go make, uh, The Little Mermaid, which, you know, was a great movie at the time, um, then, uh, uh, and these guys were also at the time, uh, you know, known as story collaborators on, uh, Disney's worst film, which is Black Cauldron, but, uh, they, uh, they kinda, uh, got told to make Little Mermaid and Great Mouse Detective instead, 
Uh, they uh, and then right after Little Mermaid, they're like, "All right, give us give us our Treasure Island movie. We want to do Treasure Island in space." They said, "No, no, 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 no. Go make Aladdin." And they said, "Fine, you know, whatever." Uh, then after Aladdin, uh, they went to Disney, and by this point, I think Disney had been through a president or two, and they they had a little bit of a different outlook. And they said, "We want to do Treasure Island." They went and they got, a, uh, they got a storyboard together, they got a script together written by some really great uh, writers and direct and themselves, and they really hammered this out. And they presented it and they said, okay, we'll let you make your terrible pirate movie, but you got to make one last movie for us. And that movie ended up being Hercules, uh, which supposedly didn't do all that well, but they said, you know what, a deal's a deal, we'll let you make the movie. So... They went to work uh, on this movie utilizing new technology I've been developed for a different Disney movie called, uh, I believe it was called Deep Space, that's what they called it, uh, that was originally developed for the Disney movie Tarzan, which was the idea that you could make 2D animated uh, animation on top of a 3D environment. This was during... Seamlessly. This was during the era of transition between 2D animation and 3D animation that we know today. Go on. Yes, uh, and I'm, I'll get to that because that actually has to play a lot of role with uh, what unfortunately ended up happening with this movie later down the line. Um, so, uh, they went through and made it, and unfortunately for Disney, this movie was not cheap. Uh, this movie's budget was $140 million. Holy which, mother of balls. Yeah, this movie had... On just under half the budget of Avengers, which is a full 3D live-action animated spectacle that was three hours long. And it was just over half of that budget for an, uh, a small animated film that was Treasure Island, basically. So, yes, this movie was really expensive. Really, really expensive. Uh, in fact, it is Disney's most expensive animated film ever made. Period. Um... This movie is extremely expensive because it used three different animation styles, which was uh, 3D animation, deep space, and traditional animation. So they had to pay three separate groups of people lots and lots and lots of money to make this movie. And let me tell you, no, honestly, the, the beauty of this movie is that it shows. This movie looks like they threw a bunch of money at it to look really, really, really good. And it looks incredible. I mean, this movie is one of the most beautiful-looking Disney movies I've ever seen. I, 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 I don't even know what to say. I mean, uh, but yeah, so uh, Disney... Uh, so basically around this time, as Chris stated, is that Disney was moving away from uh, traditional animation to 3D. Uh, pretty much everybody animation. was. Yes, pretty much everybody was. It was becoming less popular, and Disney didn't think there would be another re- renaissance of this, which... In fairness to Disney, there wasn't until right around 2011 when they released Winnie the Pooh and the Princess and the Frog, and they became smash hits. Um, and as as sad as it is, I think if this movie was released like 10 years later than it did, I think this movie would have been one of the best movies of the year. Mm. Um, and I think that's all it would have taken. Um, but um, this movie... This is starting to go really tinfoil hat, but really there's a lot of evidence to support it, is that Disney sent this movie out to die. Um, and it sucks, because this movie should have been a summer movie, 100%, like an early summer movie, 
and instead this movie barely got any marketing it got all the major uh, reveals of it spoiled in its trailers and they put this movie up against uh, against Harry Potter Ugh. opening release and that that was never gonna work and they put it as a winter movie nonetheless too so they really sent this movie out to die because they didn't want to make a sequel and supposedly the the really nutty thing is there exists a script to a sequel of this movie that is supposedly really really good and they 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 casted um what's his name to be in it um willem dafoe to play the villain and the script was what people were saying who were close to it said it was really good. And it's really depressing because this first movie was solid. And the fact that the second movie is going to be better would have just been incredible. Um, so uh, it's really saddening to see uh, that Disney basically sent this movie to die. But the beauty is, is that this movie has had a huge resurgence since then. The fan community who have been behind this movie since the start have been very public about how much they love this movie. Cult and, and I think it's earned it because it's a really good movie. It, and Disney was surprised when it got its nomination for the Academy Award for Best Anime Picture because they didn't market for it at all. Not once. And it won it off the merit of the film alone, which is incredible. And that doesn't happen in Hollywood and I'm sure Chris uh, Chris, I mean I'm sure Alex you can confirm that that just doesn't happen you don't market a film and it just gets nominated anyways uh, not as often as people would hope yeah and usually when it is it's because it's a, a very powerfully good movie it, it just this movie has won every award well I mean nomination and every bit of love off the merit of its own back and I mean this movie is something special I think I think the opening scenes transition from the first scene to the second scene is one of the best transitions in animation ever. I think there's just so much going for this movie. I think they tweak enough of Treasure Island to make it fun and interesting. And every decision in the film from the <coughs> score to the visuals, just despite it feeling weird because Victorian mixed with, uh, you know, with high technology just feels perfect for the world. Absolutely perfect. Okay. Before I say anything, Alex, your thoughts? Um, <sighs> on the movie. I, I know. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, thoughts on the world? Uh, it's round. It's blue. It's cold. <laughs> uh, Are you sure about yeah, that? <laughs> uh, You're not a fan of this movie. I, I want to... I don't want to say it's a masterpiece. Uh, no, I'm not there I either. I don't think it's that. No, I don't think it's a masterpiece either, but I think it's a really solid movie. Yes, absolutely. Oh, Very nice. good time, and I, I like the ending way more than the rest of the film. Uh, I I think the biggest problem... There are two big problems with this movie. Uh, the biggest one is uh, the tone of the comedy. It's not funny. Uh, Martin Short's not very Not even... Martin Short is the Jar Jar Binks, for sure, but also, like, it's not funny. Hold on. 
He's not as bad as Jar Jar. No, he's as bad as Jar Jar. He's, he's not as bad as Jar Jar. In fact, he reminds me of Robin Williams in the movie Robots. Like, he could have been worse. I think Martin Short knows how to be funny without straying too far. And I think he, I love Martin Short. The problem is when I look at the character, I'm like, he was unneeded. He's just Jar Jar Binks. He's there to be funny. You, like, why did he take him on the mission on the boat? Like, he even says it at the end. He's like, dumb, stupid robot. I'm like, why did you let him gum? Why didn't you just tell him to go do something? What's up with the farting alien? Like, I, I just don't think the movie's funny. I think David Hyde Pierce is um, comical, but I care about his character more. And I like David Hyde Pierce as an actor. I think he's more compelling uh, as a guy trying to be on an adventure and just accidentally being good at it. And all the while, like, uh, I think it's Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson is amazing. Emma Thompson's the best thing in this movie, performance-wise. Like, she, I think Lon John Silver is very good, too. But, like, she is amazing. And, and I loved her character, and I loved her. Like, she was perfect. So there, there's, like, there's things that I liked about this character-wise, especially by the end with Jim and, and Silver. I felt for their relationship, and I I was happy that Jim let him go. Like, the, yeah. I, it's just it wasn't funny to me, and those unfunny moments really, really take the toll on the movie. Um, but there are a lot of things that I like about it. Uh, but the other problem is, it's, it's just... It's just Treasure Island. Yeah, it, I, it's, I, it's, it is just Treasure Island, but I, you know they they do take some liberties with some of the story, and and I think that the liberties they take is is in the betterment of the film rather than the betterment of the story. I can. Well, I guess what my point is is not that I have a problem with this, the story being uh, close to the classic like that. They do that with their animated films, you know, uh, Cinderella, Snow White, yeah. for sure, I get it, we all know the story, it's about enjoying the journey, for sure, but this is also a science fiction film, so if you're only going to the extent of just, like, you know, the port is a spaceport, and uh, the, the <clears throat> scummy, weird-looking crew is just a bunch of scary aliens, like, Long John Silver is a cyborg, he, he space surfs, like, there's just a few small sci-fi changes they do until the third act when they get to the planet, and then it turns into, like, a sci-fi movie. Then it's like a Star Wars movie. Then yeah. I was really enjoying it. I understood well, the stakes of the characters. I think, and I the think the other... time. The other big thing about Treasure, Treasure Island is that uh, in Treasure Island, you know, uh, Jim Hawkins' father is, like, there the whole time. He doesn't leave. So they really do change the Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character from this... This kid who wants to go on an adventure to this this really moody teen who has who wants to prove himself and what better option to do that than the pirates? The thing is, a lot of the adaptations do that. Even Muppet Treasure Island does that. The thing is, it's been done before, and that's fine. Do that, but like, it wasn't. They didn't really make it sci-fi adventure enough until the third half, and it proved that you could do that with this story, and I don't think they did it enough. They made a compelling relationship between Silver and Jim, sure, but, like, it, I didn't feel what this movie could do with its effects until the third act. The third act, I was like, wow, this looks great, and I'm in 110%. Let's just keep going, like... They just kept going to weird things. They have a door that can, like, change space. Like, it just, it became, like, a sci-fi story. And I wanted that more than I wanted Treasure Island at a certain point. Like, it's Treasure Planet, and it felt more like Treasure Island until the end when it became Treasure Planet. 
And that that's what I kind of thought. At the end of the day, though, if I was a kid and I watched this on a summer day, I would love it. This is a great kids movie, and I don't think that it's bad at all. I think the tone is weird, and if you know the story of Treasure Island, it kind of takes away from the effect of everything. But if you're just a kid and you don't know it, and this is the first one you see, I see no reason in the world why you shouldn't enjoy this. It doesn't look that bad. There are some, like, bad moments, like when like when Jim goes down to look for Morp in the uh, galleys. He, like, it looks like a cutscene from a video game. Just everything looks 3D, and it looks bad. But this happens every, like, now and then. Like, the movie is pretty... You're right, the money shows throughout the whole thing, and it's pretty good. Um, I just think that... Yeah, and like... One at a time, let him finish. Yeah, I just think because we know the story so well and the comedy doesn't work that all you're left with is Treasure Island until the action shows up and the spectacle. Yep, and and again, this is... A lot of this has to do with, like, what this, the reported script was going to go deeper on, on the sci-fi elements. It was going to have a lot more fun to it. It was going to feel more adventurous and more uh, more deep on, on exactly that kind of stuff. And it's why so many people were so disappointed because this movie set up such a great world that could be so much fun to play in. And Disney sent it to death. They put it down. If they had an original story for the sequel, I would see it. And they did, supposedly. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> very, very, very disappointing. Uh, a lot, because this this movie is so much fun, and, and the two pop culture songs they do end up using in it are very, very strong, too. And I think the music's some of the best part of this movie, honestly. I like I like the song. I like the Goo Goo Dolls song. I was singing it. Uh, I think... Was that Goo Goo Dolls? It, yeah. Yep, it's, uh, yep, it's uh, the Goo Goo Dolls. And, that is not what it's uh, listed on Google. That is not how no, Google it listed it. It's well, John well, I mean, Resnick and, and BB Mac, but it, 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 it's John Resnick and BB Mac. But uh, but uh, it doesn't. It's Goo Goo Dolls. It, it is the Goo Goo Dolls. Just the lead singer of it. All right, whatever. Um. Yeah. It. A very. I mean, I don't think there's really much to talk about in terms of plot of this movie because I, I think like most. I would imagine most people know the story of Treasure Treasure Island. Okay, yeah. my turn. Uh, oh, go for it. Yeah. Well, wait, you like you had the backstory to this though, right, Zach? Yeah, I I basically briefly explained it was that the movie costed a ton of money. Uh, the directors have been wanting to make this movie since the '80s. And Disney agreed to it after they they made five movies for them, and then they sent the movie out to die. All right. Well, what do you, what what's your deal, Chris? What's your what's your history with this story? With this I grew up with this movie. Um, there you go. I. This is coming from somebody who has n- never seen nor read any of the adaptations of Treasure Island. Any of them. This is the only one. Um, <clears throat> this movie is a solid. This is a very, 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 very solid movie, in all obje- in all objectiveness. Um, no, it's a solid movie even when you know Treasure Island, though. That's the beauty of it. I didn't know yes. Treasure Island, and I still thought it was pretty good. Um, if this were made today, 
exactly how it was uh, made. I think it would hold up. It looked great. <laughs> mm, for me, some of the backgrounds didn't really mesh well for me. Well, Some, that, that has not to do all. the technology they used, yeah. too, though. The technology those could have been made better, just saying. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to remain objective for as long as I can. Um, and music's awesome, cast is yep. awesome. Um, well, the cast is the best part about the movie, I think. Uh, nah, okay, gosh. Um, I wouldn't say it's a masterpiece, but I do honestly think it's highly underrated. Highly. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh. Like, from a creative standpoint, should it should it have been should should it have been buried? No, it should not have been buried. Um, same goes for every movie, I guess. Give every movie a chance, honestly. Um, but, like, if it costed that much and Disney wasn't into it in the first place, it was just as an owed favor to some of its... the two of its most respected uh, storytellers, then, yeah, I guess I can see why they just didn't... I, I'm willing to guess they trusted the guys who made it not what they made. Um, especially probably after Titan AE, a film that's on the, on a thing that I'll announce later. Um, especially after Titan AE, like, shuttered Fox Animation. I bet they looked at that and said, oh boy, I don't want to do anything like that ever again. Then they made Atlantis, The Lost Empire, and Tarzan, which used kind of the same technology. Um, the same technology, actually. And... Yeah, I could, like... From a business standpoint, yeah, I get it. But, like, from a creative standpoint, I think every movie, every movie should be given a fair shake. But... Yeah, to say that this movie... Yeah. To say that this movie... Like... It is a for, I think I do think it is a forgotten classic of its time. I think it is the best movie of that era, um, of yeah, transition. Yeah, five year era. I would agree. So, with that all, with that all out of the way. Okay, I'm taking the objectivity out now. I'm getting real. I'm getting real now. This movie. There's a reason I grew up with this movie. Yeah. Jim's arc is one of the most relatable arcs I have ever seen. To me personally. Like, terrible circumstances lead him down a path that makes him a certain thing. And then he wants to fix it. He wants to change his attitude and not screw up as much. Stuff goes wrong. He, co he like he costs like he thinks like he ruined a lot. He thinks he killed someone um essentially. And then he's back 
down. He just gets keep. He just keeps getting railed on. And then his father figure um, turns on him, and like um, this is like like more, like he's betrayed. That's another what I'm saying. He's betrayed, and then like um, and he just keeps getting wailed on. And it's just like oh my. Gosh, this movie is so me right now. And it's just how he gets, it's just like, oh man, this is like, this is like, what can I equate it to? To This was my, um, this is one of the, like, first, like, hero journey movies that I really connected with. Um, it's your Star Wars. It's It was my Star Wars before Star Wars really came into my life. Um, or really, like, took hold. And... Just... Yeah, this movie... This, uh, Jim is, like, one of the most relatable characters I... to me, that I've seen... Ever and then this and this movie just oh god, it is. Zach, you're gonna crush me, and I'm gonna hate it for saying this, but I gotta get it off my chest because this is my show. Damn it. Um, it is a dream of mine to remake this film live action because gosh darn it, if I don't think it can be done, if not Why even not? more effective. Than this, than this adaptation. Now, will it ever happen? Probably not. But gosh dang it, every time I see it, I say, gosh dang it, I want to make this. I want to remake this. Because it's personal to me, and it can be told more effectively than it was. And to go back to a point, that I made, that that was made earlier about the humor. Didn't mind it. The farting alien, I thought. I didn't take it as humor. I bet as a kid I did, but when during this more recent viewing, I'm like, okay, cool sci-fi. That's cool. I took that really? as sci-fi. I took it as I took it as sci-fi. I looked at it through a sci-fi lens, like, okay, weird, out there. Okay, cool. Um, Alex Donald. Um, so, and then with uh, Martin Short's uh, Ben, I'm like, okay, he's erratic. I'm like, I didn't laugh at anything except for the uh, the part where I was like, Zyra dancing with an android named Lupe. I laughed. I'm sorry. I laughed at that. <laughs> um,. And, but the rest of it, I'm like, I, w I wouldn't say I laughed at anything, but it, it did not, their attempts at humor did not detract away from this movie, for me. I guess you could put that on nostalgia, or what have you, but, um, yeah, I, I didn't see, I didn't see the humor as a detract, detraction, sure, could it have been better? Fine. It could have made me laugh, whatever. But, um, 
it didn't it didn't detract from the overall experience of this, watching this movie again, which was a delight after a really really crummy week. And Chris, we 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 gotta really get you to watch Charter Island or Muppets Treasure Island or something. <laughs> Well, it would be interesting to see your response to other versions of this story, but I do, uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, as I was listening to, as I was watching the scene where Jim was listening to his mom complain about him, I uh, re- related to him and, and who I was at his age, because I believe he's 15 in this movie. I was the same way, like, I was reserved, I had potential, I wasn't, like, opening up to my parents, all that stuff. Yeah, I related to it for sure. Um, did I did I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Jim? Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I the thing is, I know the story so well um, that it's with, when it's performed uh, well, I think it's fine, and I usually just sort of go with it. Which is why I, re- I responded to to the ending and Jim and Silver leaving. Yeah, but I'm not saying that the comedy detracted. I just think. Because the movie isn't funny, it just slows it down a bit, whereas the action sped it up. Like, I didn't care what they were saying as the action was going on. The spectacle was great, but, like, the it not being funny is bad. It's just like pockets of air in the film. Like, you see these bits where they're supposed to be comedy, and you're, like, just waiting for it to be done. For me, that's a detra- that's a detraction when they're co- when it's continuously unfunny and I'm just not laughing and it's like, oh come on, let's go. It's like a commercial to me. It's like oh break for joke. Okay, it's like Modern Family. I can't watch Modern Family because I, although I, everyone's great in it and the writing is top notch and they know how to tell a joke in three seconds simply, I see the joke coming and because I see the joke coming, I just can't have fun watching it. So comedy, as subjective as it is, that's like another reason why. It can take me out of it, but here, if you're just not funny, it's just like crickets, and crickets just slow the pace of the movie down. Yeah, I would agree. Mm. Um, this movie though is so much fun. I mean, I love as a child, I loved Treasure Island as a story. Uh, I grew up on it uh, considerably, so you know, I as you know, my my tr- my. You know, for you, Chris, you, you know, Treasure Planet was what you grew up... I grew up watching Felix the Cat and uh, Muppets Treasure Island. And honestly, I I love both of those. Obviously, one of them has less to do with the other. But Muppets Treasure Island is one of my favorite movies of all time as a child. And I grew to love, you know, the story of uh, the, the, the Golden Age of Piracy and the romanticism that came with that. And so obviously, Treasure Planet was a very fun experience for me because it was my first major depth into sci-fi um ratings what would you guys rate it uh probably a b plus maybe an a minus b plus okay I'm gonna factor in nostalgia here (sighs) oh Objective. Uh, ugh, dang it. I gotta give it one grade. I can't give it two. Nah, B+. Plus. Nice. Yeah, I 
think the ending saves it a lot. It would have been a B, but like I think the third act is great and elevates it a lot. Yeah. Alright. <clears throat> Treasure Planet. All time underrated classic cult following. I'm gonna make it. Um, okay. Ha. Really good time. I like it. We, we, we gotta get you, Chris, to watch Muppets Treasure Island, though. Alright. Mostly, mostly because Cabin Fever is still one of the best songs in the whole Muppets franchise, but... Okay. I it also, is catchy. I also think A Professional Pirate is really fun, too. So, for the audience, this will be a special announcement. New Wheel! Yay! The Curiosity Wheel. New <laughs> Wheel! The Curiosity Wheel, ladies and gentlemen. A movie, a wheel consisting of movies we have either not seen in a long time, or have not seen at all, and we're very curious about. But. But. I don't, I'm not sure we should spin it yet. Because we said... We would have two opportunities, at least two, right, before we go on to the next series, and before Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah. I want to give a fair shake to this push of wanting to see the holiday special. Really? I'm good. Uh, I want to give it a fair opportunity. Okay. I don't want to skip okay, the enough. bad wheel just to not see that movie. I know I... Wait, what's going on? Wait, 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 wait. Chris is suggesting we spin the bad wheel to continue rather than skip its turn to do the curiosity wheel because he wants he wants to give fair odds to the possibility of the uh, holiday special happening. Okay, okay, okay. See, I'm being nice to you. He's losing fear. He's losing fear. If he really had no fear, he'd watch the holiday special before. No, I have yeah. equal rage. Like the rage <laughs> hasn't started. The rage hasn't. The rage Chris, hasn't gone can I away. Tell you a secret? Like as if we land on this wheel, I'm gonna be Chris, really. As much as as much as you guys have goshed over, Servantine confronts fear. Nothing is truly as insane. As also, I am also. Here's the thing, Zach. I made that abundantly clear to Chris. <laughs> Here's the deal. It's on record. It's on record. Here's the deal. It... <laughs> I will not watch the holiday special unless all three of us are in the same room doing it. That is what he learned from the surfer, Zach. He's like, I gotta watch bad movies with people. I can't watch them. Wrong. Christopher, it... you have no idea how tempted you are, you are making this. <laughs> we will all rip into it. That's the point. No, we all gotta sit there even if it thing. takes an eternity... If your schedule doesn't allow it, we will not do another episode of this podcast unless we are all in the same room watching this, not watching it. That's fair. Tell us the day and time, man, as long as we're no, figuring... you oh. name the day and time because your schedule is worse than mine. That's, yeah, that's kind of true. That's not a whole point. He's probably right on that one. <laughs> and by skipping let's, the curiosity let's, wheel... It gives us time to confirm our picks. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I know some of Most you are a little rocky on them. Post-October, things slow down for my job, but... 
let's let's spin this 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 this. I'm gonna use some. Credit. Let's spin this bastard and see what we get. Oh man, this wheel is cool. I would love more specifically just just to give it a little bit more fair chance that we don't add to the the bad wheel after we get it. No. No, we want them all to be fifteen. No. We had to add two more because we because I had lost track. Okay. Um, right, let's, let's spin we had to add two more. So, all right, here we go. Uh, on the wheel is as follows: the last Airbender, mm-hmm. the Watcher. Oh, that's new. The Star Wars Holiday yep. Special, of course. Yes. Nicholas Cage's The Wicker Man. Yes. Doom. Yes. Master of Disguise. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Josh, Josh Trank's Fantastic Four. The 2015 one? Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, dang it. What happened? It just closed. How dare I you? I have it here. I actually have it here for you. No, 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 no. I got uh, it. I got it. I got it. No, it changed. It, Zach, wait, wait, Zach, wait, Zach, wait. Zach, 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 it changed, remember? I told, no, I know, told you it changed. I already have it up, just let me finish, just let me finish. I already have it back up. Um, so, Rickerman, Doom, Master of Disguise, Josh Trank's Fantastic Four, um, Bright. I seriously want to watch Bright because David Ayer keeps defending these DCEU movies pre Wonder Woman. Oh my god. Um, Dragon Ball Evolution. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that's on there. Um, mm-hmm. Howard the Duck. Yep. Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Oh man. Hawaii? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Dungeons and Dragons. Oh gosh, I'm starting to giggle. Whew. Okay. Rollerball. What? Rollerball. Rollerball. And Love on a Leash. You guys are gonna love that one. We toys. We we landed on toys and found that toys cannot be found anywhere to rent. Anywhere. 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 What was after Rollerball? No, for toys. We couldn't find no, toys. No, no. Like, guys, stop fucking arguing. Holy shit. What yeah, is after Rollerball? Love on a Leash. Thank you. Alright, ready? Hold on. You have one extra. Uh, maybe I have one. Actually. No, you miscounted. Oh, yeah, we also cut Dungeons and Dragons. No, we didn't. Oh, we also cut Henry, that's right. Yeah. We did that. Okay. Okay, we're all good. Alright. Alright, ready? Yes. Oh, God. Have mercy on me. I mean, all these phones are terrible. Yep. We dodged it. Oh, no. No. Oh, no. Did we get it? Nope. Ladies and gentlemen, the next movie that we are going to do is not the Star Wars Holiday Special. Damn it. Russian Roulette. Um, the next movie we're going to be doing... Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Alex, get ready. 
Josh Trank's Fantastic Four. Mm, man. <laughs> we gotta we gotta stop letting him control this. We gotta like spin it one time for us. Nah, dude, no, he's he's fine. He's not the problem. I genuinely believe that the universe hates us sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't want this on the wheel in the first place, so we we're gonna land it eventually. Um, I just don't. Yeah, sure. Okay. Hold on. All right. What are we gonna replace it with? We haven't even talked about that. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, let me pull up the back up burner. That's right. He has a back burner list. I'm up for north. Um. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of north. All right. No. I have four movies on the back wheel. What else is on the backup list? Um, on the uh, I have four movies on the uh, on the um, on the list. The backlog. Riccio. The story of Ricky. Okay. Uh, the meme where he punches through a wall. If you in don't a prison. know that movie, Zach, go on YouTube and just watch a clip from it, and you, I'm pretty sure you're gonna be bored. It put Chris on the fence, I'll tell you that much. It, it disgusted him, I'll tell you that much. It did. Um, North. A lot of, a lot of gore. Uh, North. Cartoonish gore. Uh, so, North, uh, Zach, um, you know Rob Reiner, right? The director? Yes. So, he's made a lot of classics, like Harry Met Sally, A Few Good Men. Uh, he's just made a lot. But the la- there's a movie that deterred his entire career and he made nothing but mediocre to bad films ever since. He lived, This movie wrecked his career. It's called North. It's about uh, Elijah Wood getting the opportunity to adopt his parents because he doesn't like his real parents. He thinks they're jerks so he like becomes a big sick, like world news story because he wants to adopt his own parents and like it's incredibly racist. Bruce Willis is in a bunny suit People think a kid gets shot in the head at one point. Like, it's amazing bad. You will be shocked by it. Like, it's a high production, terrible kids movie. It's wonderful. Okay. Correct. Okay. What else is on this list? Daredevil 2003. No. And this one will shock you. And I'm the one who brought this up. He did. Freddy got fingered. Chris, why do you want to watch Freddy Got Fingered? <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty close to that. Chris, why do you want to watch that? Of all the things you could have picked, why that one? That is the exact sentence I said. I know I said that. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> He's curious, man. I, like, explained what the guy does to a horse at one point. Like, he... Oh, Chris, come on. I mean, I... I have, a, I have kind of a funny one I, I kind of want to suggest. Uh, this one... This one is... Is... Is a, a mess, but... Uh, actually, I have a couple I want to suggest, but... Uh... God, why Freddy got... Finger. <laughs> all the things to pick. Oh, and I the only way you should be able to say the way to say that title of the movie is how you just did it. Like, Freddy got finger. Such disgust. Chris, why? Because I've legitimately uh, lost my mind. 
Okay. Well, I legitimately I... lost my mind. Alright, well, I have three suggestions. Uh, <laughs> I have to we find can them. pick and choose these as we feel like we want it. Pick and choose them. Okay? I gotta find one. Oh, God. Oh, God. That was a funny reaction. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna start with the, the probably, arguably, the best of the three, okay? Okay. Eight Crazy Nights. Ah, no. <laughs> God. <laughs> that would be so bad, though. It is pretty damn bad. It's really hard to watch. It's, like, hard to look at that movie. It's true. Because it's so... It's super cheap. It is super cheap. Oh, God. Oh, I'm, I'm not... For that, what else do you have? It went from Zach being disgusted by me and then Alex being disgusted by Zach. We're gonna start with the sequel film that I'm gonna suggest here. What? Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties. Nope. (laughs) I've never seen that one. I saw the first one and it was pretty boring. It's um, it's more the same. I'll do the second one. I'll do that. I like Bill I like uh, John Cleese and I like to look at Jennifer Love Hewitt. I also think Jennifer Love Hewitt is very nice. I was about to say, that's on record now. I'm not deleting that. Dude, I've always been pro Jennifer Love Hewitt is attractive. Like, okay. She's <laughs> uh, one of my favorite 90s girls, but also she's been pretty protective of her own image. She's produced her own shows. She's helped other people in their careers, and she's, like, she's Christian-based, and she's never, like, shown her body. She's never sexualized herself in a way that she's never been okay with. But she's also sexualized herself in, like, comedies before in ways that she's in control. And, like, she's, like, Heartbreakers is a great comedy that's totally underrated, and Jennifer Love Hewitt is great in it. But, like, I have no problem saying that I am still attracted to that woman, but also... Yeah, she's great. She's super nice. She's a great example of what uh, actresses could do and are not represented in, or not represented more in the media. Dang it! I gotta find a bad movie. Uh, uh, I I'm gonna the start. The by, all right. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm gonna start by telling you who the director is. Oh boy. Yikes. Ryan Johnson. Roland Emmerich. <sighs> um. I have. Uh, if you. There are three movies that come to mind. And it's written by one of the guys who wrote Treasure Planet. The Patriot. No. Uh, That movie's like not even that bad, though. That's the thing. 2012? What? No, I never said it was from 2012. No, it's the movie 2012. Oh, no. Damn. Is it Day After Tomorrow? No, it's around the same uh, year range, though. Oh my god, what, 10,000 BC? No, a little bit earlier than that. Man, I'm running out. What? So wait, I'm, wait, I'm already wait, out. out. I'm already out of the timeline. He, he, yeah, he did Anonymous, right? Mm, maybe, but that's not it. I'll tell you the lead actor in this movie. Oh, crap. Gerard Butler. Matthew Broderick. Godzilla, God, Nevin. <laughs> Yeah. I've actually seen that movie a lot. That movie sucks. But... Uh, so okay, so I would say out of those three, Godzilla for sure. I don't hate Godzilla either. That's I what's gonna that. suck I about it. I don't hate it. Mind. 
fast on that. It's bad. I've watched it a lot, and I watch it as trash, but it's trash, Chris. You're playing in a dumpster. Dude, Toho got to the point where they had to literally make a movie where Godzilla killed the Godzilla from this movie to get it out of their life. <laughs> it's called Godzilla. It's called Zilla. Yeah, it's called Zilla. It's not even Godzilla. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would say out of those three, I would pick that one. Yeah, TriStar Pictures, Roland Emmerich, Ugh, Matthew Broderick. How did we uh, re- God, Hold on a second. He suggested a bad Roland Emmerich movie and not the first movie that came to mind was Godzilla? Yeah, then we're bad at that. We, 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 we are sucky at that. Yeah, that was an embarrassing moment. Yeah, I like, I like, like kind of shouted to the world when I was suggesting you guys could figure it out. We're just missing those balls, man. Yeah, we missed Not it. Not even... Whoosh. Ugh. Ugh. R slash whoosh. Um, yeah. I mean, I thought you guys would have figured it out when I said it was written by Ted Elliott and Terry Rousseau. I don't know who wrote Godzilla, man. I don't care. Since you wrote the, like, good Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I don't know who wrote the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, man. Ted Elliott and Terry Rousseau. Yep, that is Oh, man, now I have to, like, forget some part of my kindergarten and put that in my brain now. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Uh, dang it, I can't... Uh... I want to go into, like... Um... I'm going to go... They're also... I'd like to point out, they're also responsible for the Rob Marshall monstrosity that is on Stranger Tides. Nope. I don't no, no, that's in the, that's in the, that's in the series wheel. Pirates of the Caribbean's on the series wheel. Can't go back. Mm. It is still a monstrosity. Yeah, it this is still is a monstrosity, and terrible. insanely cheap, but... Um, okay, so I, I'm still going to make the argument for North. I, I'm pro-North. Okay, so Alex is pro-North. I'm sticking with Zilla. You're sticking with Zilla? Okay. Uh, I gotta think of that movie. Hold on. I want to go for some kind of... Nah, but then if I haven't seen it, then I have to put on the curiosity we all set of a bad movie. Dang it. No, no, you don't have to. You don't have to. Okay, alright. I want to go back to the time of bad 90s action movies. So, Zilla, got it. No. Okay, bad early 90s. Oh. That's disturbing. No, that movie was sublime. Not bad. There's nothing worth to talk about then. There was like a... Oh, I'm thinking about a Dolph Lundgren commando knockoff. But that's not going to do. Um, not sure I know which one that is, but there probably is one, yes. Was that Universal Soldier? I'm not sure if that was. That's not a bad movie, I don't think. I got nothing. Um, I'll just I'll just go with Freddy Got Fingered. <laughs> Ow, let's take well, okay. Start it let's start a mini wheel and start a mini wheel. Push those on. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> just sort of like it just sort of dicked its way into the possibility of it, okay. Alright. I couldn't think of anything, so I just went with it. Uh, God no. That's what makes it hilarious. 
Well, Chris, let's let's hurry up. I gotta go to bed. I gotta work. Yeah, tomorrow. same. Hang on. Let me just set this up. Set this wheel. Hold on. I gotta confirm that. Okay, wait. Up. Oh. I may have just already deleted North. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put North back on there. North. Good. And then Zilla. Zilla sounds like a bad rapper name. No, the movie's called Godzilla. The monster's called Zilla. Godzilla. I don't yeah, remember hating that, that movie. I will, it's going to be insanely curious. Alright, here we go. To replace Josh Trank's Fantastic Four, which we must still watch. Yes, 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 yes. Yes! Oh, I think yes. he got his thing. I think yes. yeah, Freddy got fingered. Yes! Think Freddy got, got fingered! Freddy. Yes! Yes! Oh my that God. is on the wheel now! Yes! <laughs> Chris, you are just heading into 2020 with like a new idea of what cinema can do. The Joker, this, Surfer, it's gonna be interesting. Oh, I got an ad. Dang it. <laughs> I would like to point out, Chris, you still absolutely need to see the Christmas special. I still need to see Spaceballs. That's on, that's on there. On the Curiosity yeah. Wheel. Yes, but the Christmas special is more important. It's canon. I'd argue Spaceballs is canon. No, it is no. not. But, can I tell you a secret that will make you even more frustrated, Chris? Did you know the Star Wars Christmas special is the official first appearance of one Boba Fett? Yeah, I've mentioned that before. I'm sure he knows that. Okay. Oh, man, I had to laugh. Ooh, Freddy got fingers on the wheel. Oh, my God. Don't watch Star Wars Christmas special. That, I, loved, I just imagine you doing a force move with your hand as you say that. You will watch the Christmas special, Chris. This is the Star Wars special you're looking for. Okay, Freddy got fingered on the back. I will show up to your apartment. I'm gonna be honest. I will show up to your apartment, Chris, with literally my laptop, and I will call Alex, and I will say, Alex, today is the day. Chris will watch the Christmas special today. Him and I will high five in the air and freeze frame for like five seconds, and then we'll go see you. And then also, did we just put Freddy got fingered on the bad wheel? Yes. Yep. Good. Wow, we did. Oh, oh my we gosh. We live in that reality hey. now. That's Literally the story of that movie, just like, just, you know, <laughs> shenanigans bring it into, oh, god damn it, all right, cool, all right. <laughs> very, very weird episode, and I'm gonna, I'm so for it, Chris, I just don't know what's gonna happen to you. <laughs> I feel like this is the time, there's this time in high, high school, we had to do like this project where we pick movies on the AFI list, and we'd pick a scene and write about it, and my neighbor, who is very Christian, was like, what movie should I do? And I was like, I'm gonna do Taxi Driver. And he's like, um, I'll do. I don't know what's the Clockwork Orange. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then he did a Clockwork Orange, and his mom was like, why did you do this? And I kind of felt guilty about it. Like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest with you, Chris. Uh, I don't know what you were thinking with Freddy Got Fingered, <laughs> but you were certainly in for something. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. gonna land. It landed. Oh my god. 
he saw he saw scenes from it, Zach. He saw like legitimate like goofy scenes. Like he saw some raw scenes of that movie, and he's like, "I wonder what this is." And I was like, "Dude, this is what it is." And he's like, "Good." And I'm like, "Okay." Listen, okay, yeah. real quick before we go, what do you think will have the bigger effect on me? Freddie got fingered to this or the, or the Christmas special. The Christmas special. <laughs> Because you love Star Wars so much, the Christmas special. Oh, yeah. God. It's really bad, Chris. Like, Freddy Got Finger is going to gross you out, and it's going to weird you out, and you're going to be like, what the hell is this? But it's <laughs> going to be alien to you. Whereas the Star Wars special, you're going to know what this, like, demorphed fetus child is. You're going to be looking at it in a jar, and you're going to be like, this makes me mad. And then they're like, here, and you're like, what? And they're like, it's for you. And you're like, no, I don't want this. And they're like, forever. And you're like, shit. <laughs> let let me be better. clear with you, Chris. The Star Wars Christmas special will change you, and it not in a good way. It, it is going to make you rethink your entire existence for a few minutes, and then you're going to realize, holy shit, they made this, and then you're going to have an additional realization of, holy shit, this is canon. And this is then not, you're have it's not canon. It's not canon. No, I it have is went canon. to every single source on the matter of the canonicity of everything Star Wars, and that does not show up anywhere. So for you to insinuate honestly to, that the movie is, is canon no is absolutely bogus. Just because they don't talk about the baby in the basement, Chris. Just because they don't talk about their chained up little monster of a child in the basement of the house doesn't mean it ain't there. Doesn't mean it ain't blood. Doesn't even make family. Because it is. And, and then, Chris, <laughs> you're going to have this, Chris, 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 you're going to have this realization, this very specific realization, that people have said that Last Jedi is worse than it. Oh, we no, were we talking about somebody I know who says that. We had, well, Zach, we have a full recording of me calling his friend a fucking idiot, and I stand by it, because if he truly believes that, then he's a fucking idiot. He still won't no, tell me God. why he thinks Christmas that. Christmas special was so bad. All right. But we've been back, yeah. No, I've tried to warn him. No, but it's canon. All right, everybody. Let's send Zach to bed. So, uh... Yeah, dude, Chris, let's, you, let's... you just... You, you don't know anything about the Christmas special until you know about the Christmas special. Chris, can I tell you something that is canon? Literally... The, the 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 Saturday Night Live sketch with Adam Driver playing a a, uh, a um a First Order like disc guy in in um yes in Undercover Boss is canon. Let me tell you. Yeah, a secret. here's the thing. The That's funny though. What? That's funny. That's entertaining. Yeah, no, yeah, we want to talk about that. We like talking about it because it's good, but the things that are bad we don't talk about? No, Chris, it, it exists. Again, it's just... It's so does the entire that- extended universe before the wipe of 2013. That all exists. It's just <sighs> not canon. I, much easier. It's so much easier to do that with novels and with comics and with cartoons. But when you have the actual actors and the actual Chewbacca and the actual George Lucas writing and producing this thing. I'm sorry, dude. When everyone but Ringo gets together for a Beatles reunion, it's a Beatles reunion. Sorry. 
Ringo sucks, anyways. That's the best Beatle. What are you talking about? Everyone loves Ringo. He was the non-pompous one who got them all together in a room. Sure. But he still sucks. And also, George Harrison was underrated, too. All I'm saying is that... No, 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 Alex, Alex, Alex. George Harrison, the member of the Beatles. Let's, let's be, let's be... He, he, he's pretty good, but Ringo sucks. Nobody likes Ringo Starr. Ringo, Star. I'm sorry, disagree. Disagree. Nobody likes Ringo Starr. Check, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Ringo's <laughs> awesome. Watch the movies. Watch A Hard Day's Night. Man, Ringo's a fucking star, man. Sure. They're all stars. They're all, they're all, the <laughs> so, Beatles. But jokes great. aside, joke, but Chris, here, here's the question. If it, if it quacks like a Star Wars thing, and it looks like a Star Wars thing, it's definitely a Star Wars thing. <laughs> yeah, man, like, are the dinosaurs from Jurassic Park dinosaurs, or are they frog dinosaurs? Like, no, man, like, they're, ni- they're 99% DNA of dinosaurs. Like, too many people who made Star Wars and are in Star Wars are in this movie. So, like, it's a TV special, but, like, it's, it's just too much to ignore. Like, I defy you to watch that and see how many people are involved and be like, <laughs> Believe me, nobody wants to admit that this thing happened. Nobody but wants to, but it did. But it did. <laughs> it really did. All right. It was, Let's not ignore the, the matter at hand. We spun the bad wheel. I gave it a fair odds. It did not land on it again. We got Josh Trank Fantastic no, Four. We did. No, we did. Yeah, we get we get Fantastic Four. Thanks. Something just as boring. Nice. <laughs> I just want to point out. Officially in canon, it takes place between episode four and Empire. Not officially in canon. It's not a part of this new canon. I don't know why. But it you guys are messing with but, me, I know. But it is. But you're well, no, all wrong. We grew up in a world where it is, and you can like grow up in a world where it isn't, but like we know. That's the thing. It would be like if you were a kid who was sent away to a boarding school and the ho- the town that you lived in got like cursed somehow. And then you came back and everyone's like, you don't know the killings that happened before you left. Like, sorry, man. <laughs> sorry. We know. We know, dude. You can, I like, know it exists. I'm telling you it still got ghosts. I want you to understand this, Chris, because it'll make, I want you to rip this thing apart, man. I'm not, I don't want you to feel bad. I don't want, I want you to be pissed. I want you to be pissed because people you know are looking you in the face and saying this is better than Jedi. Sorry. (laughs) Either Jedi. Sorry. No. You need to watch it. You need to understand that it's inescapable from the films because it's vision. You're visually watching these actors be these people. You just can't. They're all there. It's ridiculous. It's like okay. You can't. Can't do it. All right. (laughs) Literally, literally, people are saying this is better than Last Jedi, and they're wrong, very distinctly. Yeah. But they're still telling you that the Christmas special, this terrible pile of shit that should be taken out back and nuked, it was is better. We're gonna be a lot when this special happens. But I'm telling you, Chris, like I want you to come in better. With an type sword and just wreck this thing so you need to come in prepared because if you walk in and see everyone that you know and love in this and you're like oh my god I don't know what to do with this no you need to come in and be like what was wrong with these people a lot of things they were on a lot of drugs alright <clears throat> yeah Josh Trank's Fantastic Four <laughs> what'd you say Josh Trank's Fantastic Four 
<laughs> That's the next movie. All right, let's send Zach to bed. Well, I kind of deny that they weren't on a lot of drugs because they were. Okay, off. Oh, no, exactly. We'll save it. We'll save it. We're not every time. Every time we're closer, we're getting closer. But at the same time, I God can't believe that we have to buy. Uh, this is no. It's available for bootleg, fun. right? Yeah. I'm sorry. It's available for bootleg, right? Uh, you, I'm pretty sure we'd have to watch it on YouTube, and we wouldn't be able to watch the cartoon. Right. Cartoon. Okay. So like, ju- actually, went and downloaded it, or Zach had it. I got it off YouTube. So. All right. So. Oh so, yeah. So if YouTube, they don't have the cartoon on there, but even then, the cartoon's the best part, which is the hilarious. It's not even that good. So there you go, everybody. <laughs> no. It's not. Josh Trank's Fantastic Four is the one we spun just... on. Uh. Rush room, played Rush Room Roulette one more time, and we did not get the bullet. So. I did. Mm-hmm. We got Alex's bullet. I didn't get mine. Zach is still waiting no, for his. Yeah, Freddy Got Fingered just got added to the clip, brother. So. Interesting. No, the only one I want right now is the Christmas special. But what's the one you don't want? Yeah. What's your bullet? Which one don't I want? I don't want to relive Last Airbender ever again. Oh, uh, so there are... Okay, so Last Airbender's your bullet. That's a good one. Ugh, that, that was painful to watch. Even Dragon Ball Evolution I would rather watch before Last Airbender. <sighs> Dragon Ball Evolution's pretty fucking bad. <sighs> Dude, even I'm not so sure about that one. Um, okay, so... Yeah. Josh Trank's Fantastic Four. Fantastic, as people call it, mockingly. Um, yeah. So we're gonna watch that next. At least with Dragon Ball Evolution, it was bad enough that like you could laugh at it, and like the guy who made it is like the guy who did like the, the good Final Destination movies. So like, there's something there for it. He also wrote some good episodes of American Horror Story, which was kind of cool. But man, dude, I just, uh, dude, Last Airbender was just a mess from beginning to end. I paid money to see that movie. I just want to point that out. A lot of us did. Yeah. And All right. I goodbye, cheap. everybody. Say goodbye, guys. I will never get that fifteen dollars. Yeah, we get. Yeah, we gotta go. We gotta go. All right. Goodbye, guys. <laughs> Say goodbye, guys. Uh, bye, bye.